everybody, welcome to another episode of the Pioneer Podcast. I'm Tanner Grace, and joined by Ross. Uh, Ross, I would ask how you're doing, but I don't think anybody's doing particularly like great right now. I mean, with all things considered, all things considered, I'm doing pretty well. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I'm so far still working, which is good, and my work doesn't really bring me into contact with that many people. You know, I I walk into the office, and they're um, you know they're going to start working from home. A lot of them. And so I just basically walk straight into a small room that has like three people in it and walk out. So I don't feel like too, you know, too bad to expose. That's the right word. Um, And I still get to, you know, work. And honestly, like the, the lack of tournaments and the impetus to like help other people who are really affected by this has kind of gotten me off of my lazy duff to be really um, productive, you know, like I, I, you know, have a bad tendency to just kind of loaf around when I don't have anything really demanding and, and urgent. Um, Same. And, and it's something I'm trying to work on, but you know, it's gonna it takes time. And this really has created some urgent issues. You know, I'm now tr- trying to do, some, and we'll talk about it, do some organizing within Magic, and we're also obviously doing stuff in Roanoke as well. Uh, had a meeting about that last night. Have another meeting about it tomorrow night. Um, so. You know, so I feel like I feel good because I've been productive the last three or four days. And every time, like, as much as I have the habit of being lazy, whenever I am really productive, I always feel really good. And yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think everybody's like that. And so you, you yeah. would think that that would encourage me to continue to do it, and yet yeah. somehow no. I, my dad <laughs> actually, and I keep noticing that I'm sort of turning into my dad because my dad was the same way. Every, like, you know, every couple months, there would be a week or two where he would just be everywhere, like, doing so much stuff. And then he was just, like, back to, you know, not doing really anything and putting and procrastinating a lot. Um, just, like, you know, just normal stuff, like, things around the house, you know. Obviously, like, I've had to do a ton of grocery shopping the last couple days, so I've been cooking, it like, more than I ever have, and that's fun. Uh, you know, I've got literally, like, recipe tabs up here on, on my browser um, for, uh, let's see, we got vegetarian baked ziti and vegetarian moussaka i've never made moussaka before kind of want to try it yeah moussaka actually sounds kind of good um i would say remind me exactly which one that that one is again i'm kind of between two moussaka is sort of like a you know middle eastern or eastern mediterranean version of lasagna um that's what okay yeah yeah that's what it is yeah so it's it's traditional like ground beef in a tomato sauce but rather than like layering with pasta you layer with like uh, potatoes, or that kind of gets into it. But the top layer is a bechamel sauce, you know, the classic white sauce. And so yeah. you just bake it with the bechamel on top of it until that browns, um, and and you get this you know cheesy tomatoey deliciousness. And so you just use a lot more root vegetables inst- and lentils instead of. I love beef. lentils, by the way. I can't say I love lentils, but in certain contexts, I've never, I've had like dal a few times. I've never really liked dal, but I like like lentil soups. Um, you know, I like it on rice. Like yeah. that, that's the, that's the way it's mostly done in Ecuador is they like kind of like simmer the, the, the lentils and they just put it over rice or something like that. Makes sense. They're super good for you though. So I try to like, fa- you know, try to find new recipes with them. So I try them out and find something I like because I know they're like really, they're like, you know, just unbelievably good for you. It's packed with nutrients, good protein source. Um, so I like personally, uh, and I, I feel very lucky that this is the case. Like I'm, I'm almost looking forward to having just time to work on different things. You know, as I'm sure some of you know, I've finally started up a stream, which is something that literally 
I mean, for like four years, people have been asking me to do. And even longer, uh, one of my friends from college has been asking me to start streaming since like 2013, probably. It's, it was kind of like a meme, right? At some point, it like became its own thing <laughs> yeah. where people were like, Ross stream win? And you'd be like, soon. Or like eventually, it was never actually, like you never really actually meant it 100%. Yeah. You know? You weren't like straight up lying, but at the same time, you weren't like it's not a priority kind of thing. Agreed. Yeah, uh, it, it it really wasn't. And now, like I, you know, I have had fun doing it. Uh, I've done it twice now, and I'm I'm going to be doing it tomorrow. We're recording this on a Tuesday evening, um, so and I'm you know having fun getting all the little things set up with it. Um, and, and so uh, personally, I've been good. I'm obviously like you know I'm worried. Largely about my parents, who, who you know who are both up in age. My dad actually turned seventy yesterday, so uh, belated happy birthday to him. Um, just in case my mom listens, and I kind of think she does. Um, so ha- happy birthday, dad! Um, again, because I've, I've already wished him one. It's it's funny, right? That they would like listen to it because like they have no. We're, we're speaking another language, practically, right? Oh yeah, no. no and I know for a fact that my mother has watched like you know, my best of SCG moment or something that's been shared before. And she's like, liked the video or hearted the video. What's your best of SCG moment? Um, it was a team event um, right before you started playing with me and Obviously. Brennan. Um, it's the one where I didn't play with Brennan because he was in Japan for the Pro Tour. I uh, I was playing with the daddy in Harlan Fuhrer Apparently in Atlanta. Against Daniel Savage. Yeah, so you're playing against Daniel Savage, so uh, you just pulled it up. So yeah. in this game, it's it's a sweet one. In this game, um, we're playing Legacy, obviously. I, like, mulligan to five, and my opponent plays, like, sneak attack on, like, turn two or something like that, and then just, like, attacks me with Emrakul, right? And so I have, like, no battlefield. I'm at, like, three, and I have two cards in my hand or, like, you know, whatever. So he says go, so I'm just like, all right, uh, all this stuff's in my graveyard. So I'm like, and he's got two cards left in his hand. So I'm like, oh, all this stuff's, you know... I draw for my turn or whatever, and I go land, fetch, delve my whole graveyard to play Gurmag Angler. I'm like, look, if, if he's on empty after this, like, I can end this game quickly. And his last two cards are just, like, force blue cards. It's just, like, force. So I'm just, like, I have a land in play. He's got, like, all these resources or whatever, and I win, like, 14 turns later or whatever. Nice. Um, yeah. Stifle. Stifle. Like, he kind of messed up his fetching. It's really funny. I uh, had to do the trick where, like, I don't have a lot of mana, and I brainstorm it in the turn, and then I upkeep uh, Thought Scour myself or whatever. And the card that I draw off Thought Scour just wins the game. It's just a stifle. So I forget to draw for my turn, like the turn that I kill him. <laughs> so it's like on camera, I just, like, I just don't draw my card for a turn or whatever. So it's like really funny that my best of SCG moments me just messing up something that you cannot mess up. <laughs> like, or whatever. Well, but I have three best of SCG moments. Yeah. One of them okay. is obvious. Yeah. The Patrick Sullivan. Uh, the the Pat Sullivan yeah. match, yeah. One of them happened uh so there was an open in cleveland in 2015 where i played bant heroic in standard okay Okay. i i had game three on camera against a young collins mullen i believe this was his first open top eight i might be wrong on that but i believe it was his first one he was playing bant ojutai and i win an absurd game against two hornet nets hornet nests and with two monastery mentors surviving at one life against an Ojutai and making a lethal attack from 18 life with a million monk tokens. I spent the entire game just setting up one big attack. I eventually drew an Acreus form that like got him the one attack to get him to 18 or like 15 or something and then killed him uh, that turn. 
I top decked a Dromoka's Command to make it easy, but I had the an ordeal of Thassa in my hand that was exactly lethal. Um, so, but like an awesome game. Then I go into the semifinals and play against Gerard Fabiano on Esper Dragons, or maybe, yeah, Esper Dragons. And we play, we split two 50-minute games. Like this, this match was almost two hours long. He mulled a five in game three and I won pretty easily, but the first two games are both like utterly insane. And then in the finals, I played against a guy named Brad Fallen. It was his first open. He made the finals. Kind of sick. Good for that guy. He was playing uh, Gruul Dragons, and we played two very close games. One where I exactly lethal him to win the race when I was on the draw, and uh, one where uh, you know he got really far ahead, and I ripped an ordeal of Heliod to like turn the race around and, and turn around a close game. So I had six games on camera in this top eight. I won the tournament. I won five of those six games, and the best of SCG Live is from the game I lost. Yep, obviously. I just uh, unbelievable. Yeah, there's there's some sweet ones. Like, you kind of reminded me of uh, one of our finals losses. I, I don't remember which city this was. They all kind of blend into one. But I remember this one. This is the one where we lost to, because uh, we lost this team twice, but they had, or whatever, but we lost to Job, Basoko, and this was da- Dave Thomas. This was Dallas. Okay, this is Dallas. So so the one where I Dave went, like, Thomas. six and eight. Some yeah, we lost the finals. Yeah, this is the one where... Um, we were on camera, I think, at least six times during this tournament, if not more. Because I, th- I think we had to play every round. I don't remember. We might not have had to play the last round, but I think we might have played every round this tournament. And um, I think we were that, on camera I think at that least. time we drew because we played the last round to knock out in a previous open when I was playing Blue Moon. The first yeah. time we teamed together, we played the last round and knocked out Caleb Shearer, Paul Muller, and Becky Adelman. Right. I didn't want to dagger them with that. Oh, I but. explicitly wanted to dagger them. And by them, I mean only Becky. If I them, you mean only Becky, <laughs> yes, obviously. Only yeah, Becky. Yeah. So um, I just remember this tournament because uh, this is the one where, I, like, you know, we were on camera X amount of times, but I remember that I was on camera three times that tournament, right? And it, and it was like, one of them was against like Chad Harney, right? If I remember right. If I remember right, I think it was like me on camera versus Chad Harney in, in the mirror. But what if just, you remember wrong? Uh, I, I can't remember the third one. I know two of them specifically, but the third one I think was Chad Harney in a mirror, and he just works me like it's not close. And then the other two were both Dave Thomas, and he just works me in those two matches. Right? I didn't so, realize the founder of Wendy's played Magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was nice. He offered me a Baconator while we were playing. I was like, I you know graciously declined, and you know thought it was nice of him. But anyway, um, he's just trying to make you Logie for the match. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I just get utterly browned by him in in both in both of our matches, right? And I remember I remember this well because like everybody, uh, you know, I obviously went back and watched this on Twitch afterwards because uh, I'm I'm that kind of person. I like to oh, a yeah. punish myself and b like you know you pick up on things you mess up or something, right? Or like you learn stuff, especially legacy when people make plays. You're like, you know, you try to like figure out. You know, the, the strength of their hand is a lot more subjective in legacy than it is in like standard. I just watched you know to I mean? make sure my beard looked good. Yeah, okay, so that thing. But I just remember because those three losses were on camera. Those are the three times that I was on camera, right? And so everybody in chat was like, oh, Tannen too heavy. They can't carry Tannen, like blah, blah, blah. Um, those are my only three losses of the tournament. So I was like 13 and three or something in this tournament or like yeah. 12 and three in this tournament, you know, or whatever. A, a record good enough to win the event by itself, usually, sure. right? And I was like, well, this kind of sucks. But uh, to, to, to go kind of piggybacking on the, the best of SCG moments, you made me think about this. I kind of wish that I had more than one because there's two other matches 
that I have that could be like cool SCG moments because the matches are great. Uh, and it's both of my top eights with Tron because I think you remember the decks I had to beat. I, I was watching one of these when it, yeah. it, was, it was Aaron Barrett's, right? Right. One of yeah. them was against Aaron Barrett's in the last round. And the best part about these is like, I don't know how you would, maybe you would just kind of like splice both of them together with some cool moments of it. You know, you have to do like a lot of video editing to make them the best of moments because, um, so the, the one that we're talking about here is, can I, uh, can I tell playing, the story? Yeah, sure. Go okay. ahead. Because it's really good from my perspective. So I'm, I'm watching at home. I didn't attend this open for whatever reason. I think it was like way in the Midwest or something. Yeah. We, yeah. It was like, I think it was in Dallas. Yeah. yeah or maybe, yeah, maybe it's a Dallas one and, and, uh, and you weren't flying to a lot yeah. of events at the time. So, um, so I'm watching at home and I'm sitting in, and I'm like in the chat rooting for Tannen and you split the first two games. I don't really remember how they went kind of irrelevant, but as you, you two are shuffling for game three, I'm typing in the chat, mold of four, mold of four, chanting it. So of course, yeah, you haven't told the, we haven't said what the matchup is. But. Oh, well, Aaron's playing infect, obviously. Yeah. And so my worst possible matchup period. Yeah. And so I'm chanting like mold of four, like, come on, just one time, you know, let Aaron mold of four so Tannen can get into this top eight. So of course, Tannen molds to four. <laughs> and then the chat starts ragging on me, you know, like I've brought a curse on you somehow. Uh, why don't you take it over from here? Because the game went uh, went pretty well. Yeah, so my four was about as ideal as it could be. It was like two different Tron pieces, and it was, uh, was it Spatial Contortion? And I think, I, I don't remember what the other card was. It was Dismember. But it uh, no, because I only had the two spatial contortions as like my only okay. It was two ways to interact. Okay, and I had both of them for the first two. Like I just immediately fired it off on. Um, I think it was like I drew. I think it's what it was. Is I drew two different Tron lands, like a star and three sideboard cards. I drew like two special contortions and a um. What's the what's the green card called that kills an artifact or enchantment? Nature's claim. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nature's and claim. they gained four. And so yeah, so it was just like you know they uh, they played. Uh, like an artifact or whatever they needed to kill, and then they had two infectors. And in, in one of them, I just like straight up killed it in the main phase. And the second one, I got to like let them attack, pump, pump, and I was like kill it in response or whatever. And it was just literal perfect. And I somehow won very easily from there. Like just Matron put an O stone into play and just sat on it for like for like seven turns. And Aaron just kind of looked at you. You had like one card in hand, and was like, "Yeah, I'll just go for it." And I, yeah. I, I'm you know in hindsight, like I think she could have waited a turn, but I'm sitting mm -hmm. there just watching like praying she casts her two pump spells she just went like straight into it and you're like yeah kill your thing <laughs> yeah so yeah because like it was pretty great right like and what i was trying to get at is like there was that match and then the other one i'm playing against ponza so the guy has literal stone rain in his deck against i'm trying to make three different types of this might be the actual worst possible like in, um, in fact has gotten better depending upon your number of ballistas yeah here's the thing the thing is, they can blow up your lands out of that deck, right? And they can Blood Moon you, but they don't kill you. They do. With, like, in fact, now with Bloodbird Elf, kill they kill you. you. What's that again? Now with Bloodbird Elf, those decks do kill you. Yeah, but I mean, like, you get to play a few more turns and you have, like, a little more play, I guess. Sure. I don't know. I think they're both horrendous. How about oh, that? Oh, yeah. Right? So both of my winning into top eights and they're on camera for some reason are, like, which is which is funny. I think it was uh, they're trying to get me, you know, the Tron guy getting the worst possible matchup, well, period. For the most part, the, I guess at the end of the tournament, they often know. So, like, when they put you on camera with Aaron, yeah, Nick knew. But yeah. he just saw two known names playing for top eight, and so the matchup is kind of irrelevant, right? Yeah, I kind of messed with him, like, walking yeah. up to camera because I was like, Nick, come on, man. Like, I'd, what's going on I'd here? I'd be pretty mad about the Ponza matchup on camera. Yeah. Well, I didn't know what that matchup yeah. was, right? Yeah, maybe, and then the maybe guy Nick didn't eat it. Yeah, and the guy just like I think it was like turn one. He's like fetch up forest, put a utopia sprawl on it. I kind of looked at him and I was like, because he because he told me he knew what I was playing. Yeah. 
And I was like, oh, no. Because, yeah. like, you know, that's like, or whatever. And I ended up winning both of these matchups. But, like, one of the best parts is I, if you like watching funny matches and ones where the uh, commentators really sell what's going on, these are two great ones. The the one with Ponza, it's uh, Ryan Overturf and uh, Matthias Hunt. And I laugh my ass off every time I hear this because they have a lot of fun with it, right? And... In game three, if I remember right, I think I just destroy every permanent the the Ponza player has. Like, I just start <laughs> killing his lands instead of him killing mine. And Ryan, or one of them, like, starts having, like, he starts putting himself in the other person's shoes and has, like, an existential crisis. He's like, he's like, take that LD guy. Like, you know, you keep getting your lands blown up. And he's like, do you think he's sitting there wondering, like, was I the bad guy the whole time? You know, like, is this what I'm doing to people <laughs> kind of stuff? And then the the one with Aaron, it was like Cedric and Pizzoli. And the whole match, there's talking about how this is not how you want your tournament to end. Like, this is like the worst, one of the worst possible matchups, period, in modern. Not just for my deck, just period. It's like one of the biggest gaps in modern, right? And when I molded four, they were like, well, Tatum had a good run this weekend. It's not how you want it to go, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then when I cast like the second spatial contortion, they start getting really, really excited, you know? Because like, everybody, it doesn't matter, like, if you don't like Tron or whatever, but like when you see that big of a comeback, like everyone loves the underdog type yeah. thing, you know? So that was pretty cool. I, um, it is nice. Uh, Aaron and I have a really good relationship, by the way. Like I've known her for, I don't know, like 10, I've known her since she was like a child, you know, cause she grew she's grown up in Mississippi her whole life. And it's very close. Like we've played a, like dozens of times and there's always that friendly rivalry. Like we're always really nice to each other, but that friendly rivalry, right? Because she usually beats me. The deck she plays usually beat the crap out of what I'm playing because she's very good at attacking a metagame, right? Like actually just one of the best, right? And um, I didn't do it, it at the time during the event because like it's, you know, it's fresh. But every now and then if something comes up, I'm always like, man, I'm glad that's on camera. That I could just, <laughs> I have that for forever. Oh, like, yeah. Saved up or whatever. The, when you sit down and you're on camera and the matchup is horrible, the first thing is like, come on, man. Like, why do you have to put me on camera in this horrible matchup? Yeah. But then when you win, it's great. So it's a high, oh, yeah. it's a high risk, high reward scenario. L- love, so, winning, um, love winning bad <laughs> matchups on camera. Yeah, so... Uh, kind of like we went on a huge Ross rant and Tana tangent there for, for quite a bit, trademark. But um, yeah, so a lot of stuff's going on right now. I, I actually know a lawyer who who works in getting trademarks, by the way. So if we for have, real, oh yeah, we might have to we might have to do this. But uh, <laughs> I don't know what it costs, but it's got to be worth it. But maybe we can start a GoFundMe for this. But speaking of that, let's let's actually talk. Okay, so let's let's start talking about what's going on in the world and what's going on in Magic. This is going to be a little bit of a different show for everybody that's going on at home. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about, about Pioneer, obviously, and we've got some cool stuff to talk about as the show goes on. We're going to talk about you know some decks that did well this weekend, but we're going to switch to modern to prepare you for SEG Syracuse coming up. You know, the the, the first event <laughs> that's going to be live in what three months? And no, it's, Syracuse is the one that was supposed to be this weekend. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like they've, we, they've we, now canceled all of them through Cincinnati, so we might get Louisville, we might get Philly, we might no, get the. No, I think Louisville's done too. I think that one also. They canceled three more. Yeah, and they were they were Atlanta, Worcester, Cincinnati. Oh, because I thought. Oh, wait, hold on. Louisville's the first one that's possible, yeah, Lu- which is late Philly, May, and then Philly's the week after the last weekend of May. Then there's a week off, and then the envy. I'm kind of thinking that at best we get the envy. I don't think that's we're getting a, those I was opens. Just, you saw my face while you were saying this. I I 100 agree with you. I would not be surprised. If there's not a note another open until until till this and they're gonna have to figure out like what qualifies you for this this uh this envy right and they might just say if you've played an open this season you're qualified 
I would not be surprised. Or like if pro- they do something. prorate it, right? Like how many op- how many opens have we played, and how many are we missing? And then just like multiply the ratio by fifteen. Like if you have sure. that many points, um, you're hashtag good. math. Yeah. So I'm, I'm whatever they do, they'll figure it out. If there's one thing you can say about SAG is that historically they have handled situations like this well, right? Yes. And yes, you know they're not gonna leave. I don't think they're gonna leave anybody you know feeling unjustly you know. Uh, screwed in, in any way so uh, and that's that really is not me talking as an scg employee they've just done these things well um, yeah yeah like i mean like i think there's been a few things that people have complained about in the past but like it's one of those things where like yes this sucks for exactly you and maybe like one or two other people and like i get that that sucks i'm sorry i do have empathy here it sucks you you cannot ask for this to be changed or you can but like you can't expect it you know what i mean kind of thing you know, it's like the it's like the people I, I remember, uh, you know, the, we, we topped this event, the open in um, Vegas at the end of the year and people who, you know, qualified for the envy through that event. And they the envy was like two weeks after that. And they're like, I, I just can't get a ticket to Roanoke for under like eight hundred dollars because like two weeks. Can I defer my thing? They're like, look, that's just not how we do it. You know, you, you qualified for this one. Sorry. You know, there's a few people that got, quote unquote, screwed by this. You know. But that's like that's literally what they had announced going in. So like when you're registering for that Vegas event, like that's that's they that's what they told you was happening before you registered. So you know that I know that they used to do something where like if you queued for an NV, you queued for any of the next four when they used to run four a year. But I think that just you know taxed their system and trying to keep track of those things, uh, and it created a situation where like certain invitationals were just really really big, which was awkward for basically everyone involved. And so yeah. they, they just wanted to have it be much more predictable in terms of how big the inv- invitationals were going to be, which makes it easier to figure out how much space you need and, and things like that. So all of that is understandable. You know, their gripe is also understandable where they just like can't get yeah, to Roanoke. Um, that's more a thing of, you know, the fact that the invitationals are now in Roanoke, which is a place that is difficult to fly to and expensive to fly to. Newsflash, it's also expensive to fly out of. <laughs> yeah. Every time I've ever done some traveling there, I'm, like, always trying to get, like, uh, sort of creative. Like, there's some cities, oh, like, an yeah. hour or two away that you can go to. Charlottesville, Greensboro. You can yeah. get all the way to Raleigh-Durham. That's the best. If you can get to Raleigh-Durham, they have cheap flights everywhere. I'm so yeah. jealous of fucking Lotus Box. They must yeah. get so many cheap flights. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's definitely a... Uh, I remember when Zan got his house, and I was like, why'd you pick there? Oh, that makes sense now. Yeah. yeah. So, um, like I said, this show's going to look a little different and sound a little different to you all at home. Um there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. I think pretty much everyone other than Jared Leto and the people doing uh, Big Brother in Germany right now know about the the virus that's going on. Did you hear about this with Jared Leto today? He just didn't know. He had been on a 12-day retreat in the desert where, like, he they had no cell phones, no nothing. Like, you know, because he's, he's – okay, here's the thing. I love Jared Leto. He's an amazing actor. He's a weird uh, dude. His, his, his music is – he's very strange, right? Yeah. He does some some very weird stuff. So he's, he's probably out in the, in the desert, like, high out of his – Gord, you know, the, I really doubt he was sober for most yes, much of this. As you do, but yeah, it's some random retreat, probably just eating a lot of like magic mushrooms, whatever, oh, you know, whatever they do. Wait, wait, which desert was he in? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I just know that he was. In, I, I mean, I could pull, I could pull it up on Twitter right now. It's it's trending. So he I was try in the American it. Southwest. You you better believe he was on some sort of like shaman trip with peyote. 
Yeah, so yeah, that's that's literally what I'm thinking. Right, I'm thinking yeah. of uh, there's a there's an episode of what was that show uh, Entourage where they they do that. They like go out into the desert and do. It. I'm literally thinking of that episode and Joshua Tree and all that stuff. Whatever. Anyway, so he just found out about it today, like of what's been going on because he's just been gone for two weeks. Like, can you imagine not having any idea of what's going on in the world the last two weeks? You know, oh yeah, you kind of heard about this thing that was going on. Overseas. Yeah, like it was happening in China by then. Yeah, but like there's. Yeah, but it's like some little quarantine thing. Like, yeah, they might be having it under control. Now, like, the entire world is just shut down. Like, yeah. like you can't get in or out of most countries right now. And he's just like, what? It's like it's like some movie. He's like, wait a minute. Isn't this the, the script that I just read <laughs> for, my, for my next, like, 12 Monkeys spinoff movie or something, you know? And so he's freaking out. And then uh, I was joking about this with somebody earlier. Apparently, they have, like, you know, uh, reality TV going on. I think it's in Germany right now. It's Big Brother. Yeah. And they sequester these people in, like, a house, right? And, like, you know, they do all their stuff or whatever. They don't know yet or whatever, apparently. Or that episode hasn't aired because they're, you know, a few weeks or whatever ahead. I actually want to watch this episode, like, find it for me, translated, subtitled, whatever. I want to see these people find out and, like, how they react to, like, what's going on in the outside world. Like, yeah. just get me out of here, or, well, dude, that sucks, or... Honestly, like, the safest thing for them is to just stay in the stay. fucking house. Yeah, yeah, because they've been quarantined better than anyone else. They've, yeah. like, literally won the, the quarantine lottery, right? Yeah. You know, they're already quarantined. Just stay in the house. Yeah, speaking of that, stay in the damn house right now, y'all. Like, do not go to FNM. Do not go to these events or whatever. If you can stay, like, obviously, if there's a specific reason you have to leave your house, be careful, but just stay where you are. Like... Do what you can to help from, kind of thing. From Saturday on, I have left my house three times. Twice See, to get groceries and once to do yep. versus live today. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to say since, I think, what day is today? Tuesday? It's really hard to tell what day. Yeah, Tuesday. I think since like Thursday of last week, I've left my house once like to, to go somewhere, like in my car. I went to the grocery store to get more. So I was like, this looks like it's going to be a lot longer than we initially thought. So I went and just got everything I could. And um, my brother-in-law lives in my neighborhood. And uh, so uh, his mother, uh, that's my mother-in-law as well, has been has been coming over because, you know, we're all super bored and we've all talked and touched each other a lot since. So, like, we're not uh, we're not exposing to anything, you know, no one else outside of the circle, if you get what I'm saying. Maybe you want to rephrase that, but OK. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, I think you get the point. I, look, I'm not like I had a I had a drink today. I'm not <laughs> or whatever. Anyway, speaking of sp- speaking of Ross is opening another beer. I don't know if y'all can hear it. Hey, be careful with the beer. You're, it picks it up on the mic when you hit it on the desk. That's what I was texting you about earlier during the show. I was hoping you would notice it. Oh, like setting the drink down like that. Yeah, yeah. The mic picks it up. I just so, wanted them to um, hear the sound of the the bottle. Uh, but it didn't give the. Psh, it didn't yeah, give it. Yeah, I didn't get a great sound on it. But it's St. Patrick's Day, so I've got some nice Guinness Extra Stout. Yeah, I really loved that you used the word duff earlier because you're a huge Simpsons fan and you're drinking beer on the show. You used the word duff yeah. for anyone who doesn't make the connection there. The beer in uh, in Springfield is duff beer. And but, in Shelbyville, um, it's FUD. It's FUD? Yeah. Is sh- that just backwards? Is it is it just backwards? I believe it's FFUD, but it might be FUDD, yeah. but I'm pretty sure it's yeah. FFUD. But it's oh, just like almost like an inverse yeah, yeah, type thing? Like, okay, so. And then uh, there's the one episode where Mo tried to put an unlaut over the U and call it doof from Sweden. Do, doof. Uh, I was gonna say so. Anyway, so like lots of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. Um, we did kind of get a decent break from everything today. If you like, you know, or on social media a lot, you're watching television, like you're on Twitter, especially if you watch sports, because as you know, everything is shut down right now. Literally everything, every every event, every whatever. There's like, what is ESPN showing? Like, I don't have cable, so I'm just like, what's gonna happen to this TV station? On the off season of football. Right. 
that's what I was saying. Today you get a little bit of a yeah, you get a little bit of a reprieve because they have the offseason football and there's some crazy stuff. You see Tom Brady's gonna be playing in Tampa? You know That's gonna look so weird. It is certainly gonna be weird, but honestly, like it really shouldn't be particularly surprising, right? Brady is the kind of guy like Brady loves football. Like he has he spent most of his life until he spent his entire life up until the Drew Bledsoe injury as a backup. And I, th- you know, you have to expect at that point that like he's expecting to spend his entire career in the NFL as a backup. Nobody, he was a sixth round pick. He was a backup in college. He was a backup in high school. You know, I think at one point in college, he was third string. Yeah, he did get some, he did get to play a little bit at Michigan, but yeah. no, you're right. He was never like the guy. Yeah, nobody knew who, who the hell he was, but he's still there. He was a there. fourth round pick. Six. Yeah, it was a- Six, I think it was fourth round. No, six, six okay. pick, 189th overall, something like that. 200, it might be, no, it can't be 200. Whatever, yeah. Yeah, like ridiculously late pick. Um, like, is it still a backup, you know, on the Patriots? And then everything just flips on a dime. Well, Drew um, Bledsoe gets hurt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who is like their franchise quarterback, had recently brought them to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Right? Like they, just, years. they lost to Green Bay or something. Yeah, I think, they right? lost to Green Bay in the 97 yeah. Super Bowl. You know, uh, you know, I still remember rooting for that. I remember talking oh, I, about I it at that school. Super Bowl, and I certainly living in Connecticut. I was rooting for New England. I stopped yeah, rooting well, for New England shortly after they started winning because every single person in New England got really, you know, you know how New England fans are. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, he th- this the guy clearly just loves playing football, right? Mm-hmm. He's not the kind of person who's ever going to retire early. He's going to play as long as he can. He was not particularly good last year, and if like if you've watched this Patriots dynasty. They don't keep people once they start declining. They often try to get rid of them before the decline happens. Here's the funny thing. Do you remember a few years ago when they had that, they had like this very serious stuff coming out of New England about um, Belichick might leave. And like, there was like some rumors going on that the dynasty might get broken up. Like something was going on and then it ended up being nothing and everything was usual. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that Belichick or somebody had knew that this was coming, like knew that the the Brady decline was coming, and they were trying to get ahead of it because they knew Garoppolo was this good. You know, the backup when they had Garoppolo, and they were like, "Dude, we need to make sure that we can keep Garoppolo around and we can keep this dynasty going for another ten or fifteen years or whatever, and not have to deal with like when Brady leaves, we have nothing." Yeah, you know, kind of thing. That said, like they were still a really good team, and Brady was not a very good quarterback. But like, yeah, it's hard to be an elite team without a good quarterback. I'm going to say a few things. I didn't watch every game, but like the games I watch, you could tell he's not the same, right? Like they're little dump passes. They're little things. I will say this. It, it was similar, but it wasn't as bad as, as Manning in his last year, but it was similar. Manning was Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Well, it, it looks prettier. I don't know if you watched Manning in the last season. It looked really bad. Like the yeah. balls were uh, wounded ducks, as they call it. Yeah. You know, like there were a lot of spirals. You could tell that physically. But here's the thing. It's the same kind of thing as what I'm about to say about Manning is they're the smartest quarterbacks to ever live and like some of like the best beyond the physical attributes. So them at like 70% physical is still much better than most quarterbacks in the NFL because they just don't lose. Like they find ways to win the game. Yeah. You know, it's like, they like, they just don't make mistakes. Like Peyton with, right. with, you know, running the offense at the line of scrimmage did it better than basically anyone Everyone. except maybe yeah. Marino. Um, and, and then Brady just never fucks up. Like his interception yeah. rate is so low. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, that's a big thing, right? Because, like, you're going to Tampa Bay, a team that, like, has a lot of talent and, like, their defense is ranked really well, but their quarterback drew 31 interceptions last year or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's literally two a game, practically. Like, that's really hard to win when your quarterback is just throwing it to the wrong team. 
It's, and he might, you know, James Winston might need a New England. Anyway, long, long story short, crazy NFL day. Um, you know, they're still going to do, apparently they're still going to do the draft in Las Vegas, but like no one will be there or something, which is really crazy to me because they had the, that weird idea to do it on the 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 water in front of the Bellagio or whatever. Yeah. And people were going to like take a boat up to the thing. I was like, just, just do the damn thing like remotely, you know, like you can still make it a big production. They- I assume there there are some states that still allow like fifty plus gatherings, but like it's it seems to me like it'll be hard to have the NFL draft at all in person unless you have like several. I don't know if the a lot of people. I don't know if the players will be there. Yeah, okay. I, I definitely would. Uh, yeah, get rid of the, obviously the players in the audience aren't there, but stay. even even just the the team staffs like they all like at, at a normal draft they all have a war room with like a fifteen people in it for all thirty two teams. So like they just go to the war room, the picture and they're all in hazmat suits, like talking yeah. to each other. And, like. and then you've got, you know, obviously like the staff who's running it, all the camera operators and things like that. And and NFL officials who are, you know, relaying stuff. So like this thing, nor even outside of the players in the audience has 500 plus people in it Yeah, every year. So they're going to have to like strip down. Are you just going to send one one person? One team has each team as a representative and they're like, you know, talking back and forth. I, I have no idea because it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me, right? Yes. Also, a lot of Vegas is shut down right now. You know that, right? Like the most of the casinos are closing. Like they're supposed to. Some of them are just being ridiculous yeah. and staying open, which is very irresponsible or whatever. But I know casinos in the Northeast uh, all closed uh, yesterday at eight. The the ones here are, yeah, are so done like no, as well. No Foxwoods, no Mohegan. Yeah, yeah. All the all the ones here closed and stuff as well as far as far as I know. I don't know about the one. They just opened one in Springfield, Mass. Recently, I don't know about that one. Yeah, it's just do the responsible thing. Like, A, don't go. B, don't tempt people. Like, don't be open. You know what I mean? Like, like somebody took a, somebody went down Bourbon Street last night with a camera, and it just looks... It's just, Well, obviously, it's just empty, but it just looks weird. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like, like a, a horror movie. Yeah, it's usually... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like one of the zombie movies. You know, they show you, like, iconic areas, and it's just empty, or there's, like, the couple people, like, shambling, you know, across the thing. I saw, I saw a similar image, but with uh, Times Square. Yeah, I saw the Times Square stuff. Uh, I think one of the judges did that today. He had to he had to like go see a doctor or something that was you know he had to go through that area. And he's like, hey, I just took a picture because I'm only out because I have to, kind of thing. Like we might be in a similar situation. My wife actually has has to have a um, an operation done sometime soon, and we're trying to figure out when when is that going to happen? What's that going to look like? We're trying to get it moved up, you know, kind of thing. You know, some some crazy stuff that's going on. So, uh, I mean, like I don't know what we're supposed to say about this stuff. Like you know, we're not the CDC. We're like not an official news outlet for this stuff. Follow the advice of the people that know that, that are experts, their expertise is valuable. I will say this, that that is one of the things I was joking about today. We're like, you know, some people talking about like, is this a hoax or whatever? Like, we're not going to get into that, but I will say this anytime science and money intersects, you know, something's up, right? So when the scientists are saying one thing and the people running casinos are also agreeing with it, you should probably listen. (laughs) You should probably do what they're both saying. If they're saying the same thing. You know, that's the thing that that's my how my mind works with this. There's no way that like they both came to this independently. You know what I mean? Like these people aren't forfeiting money unless it's, you know, a very serious reason. So, yeah. Like, do you know how much money those things cost? Like they they need their profit margin. I mean, if it's shut down and literally not running, I imagine the operating costs go down considerably. Like they don't have to be pumping air conditioning through them the entire time. do do you pay your your workers? Let's not let's not get into this. Yeah. It's like you know, like well, are you paying your workers? That's like the big thing. Hopefully they, they are. Should be, but, but yeah, yeah, they should be. But um, we'll see. Yeah, I had the I had a long 
uh, a long call today with with everybody at work and what we're doing. We're not allowed in the office anymore. It's not like like after a certain day, a certain time, they're like, you are not allowed in this building. They're like, we're not going to have cops like forcing you out, but you are not allowed in this building anymore. I was like, yeah, that's that's good. I wasn't coming anyway, kind of thing. So, um, what do you want? Do you want to talk about? You want to talk about some magic? Yeah, I think we, you know, we're close to our record. We did 45 minutes for one show. We're at 35 now. Well, we did talk about some magic and stuff in there. We're going to talk about some more stuff. Like I said, I did warn them, too, that this episode's going to be a little different. We are going to talk a little bit about Pioneer, but we're also going to kind of set you up for what's going to happen over the next few weeks in magic, which is a big deal, right? Like, I think that's kind of important because we are in uncharted territory here of what... And we can be selfish about this, right? Like, we can talk about this just as magic players, just how it affects us as as yeah. magic people and what it does in this in this, in this this um, in this realm. And it's it's going to be rough. If you're a fan of magic like me, because here's the thing. I don't get to compete as much as I used to, right? You know, I don't get out. I get to play a little bit every now and then locally, but I love watching opens. Like, I, I genuinely do. Like, I, I said it's where I get a lot of my housework done on a Saturday and Sunday, like stuff that I can do where I have the TV on, right? And I have it blaring so I can hear like, you know, Pat and Cedric and whoever like talking. And if your match comes up, I sit down and watch, you know, if it's somebody I legit like want to watch play, you know, stuff like that. And we don't, we don't have that. You know, you don't get to go play your events. These people aren't seeing their friends. Like they don't know what to do. Like this is, this is like a job for a small amount of people, but like a real release for a bunch of other people. And, and a lot of people that we know. Right. So yeah, yeah it like, affects our is, friends very, very personally. Yeah. This is a, a, you know, this is a community and it's actually what, you know, I, I talked earlier about the, the motivation for streaming being part of, uh, you know, trying to help support uh, people who are put out of work by this and, uh, we're going to have in the show notes a link to a GoFundMe to help out judges who, who are missing out on, you know, a significant chunk of their income. So, you know, we appreciate anyone who can, uh, you know, has the means to go over there and toss a few dollars uh, into that fundraiser. Um, please say, you know, make sure to fill out for that I referred you and not Jim Davis so that, you know, <laughs> I, I can uh, I'm, I'm behind him by like 100 bucks. So I got to I got to leapfrog Jim. So mm-hmm. uh, and, and it really is like, you know. I do a lot of work here in, in Roanoke, not to toot my own horn, but, you know, I, and I, I harp on other people a lot about, you know, doing work in their own communities, because I think that that is the best thing to, you know, start local and build from there. And it sort of dawned on me, you know, not super recently, but a little while ago that like the magic community is really local to me. It might not be local geographically, but I see these people really frequently and they're my friends and, you know, um, you know, a lot of them are very close friends. So this really is a community for me. And so when I say, like, I had to kind of re- reframe how I thought of the word community. And so, you know, when an opportunity arose where I could, you know, use my position to, uh, you know, help the people who are indeed in my community, I, you know, I've, I've tried to run with it. And so far, so good. You know, we're up to $690 mm-hmm. in that fundraiser. And that's only, you know, I've streamed twice for it. Jim, I think, has streamed once. Nice, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I, it didn't even occur to me. Yeah, sure. It is sure. It is ten. To, it really didn't. Ten x nice. Uh, right. So, um, you know, like that. That's just the reality of, of what's going on. But we, yeah, you're right. This is uncharted territory. Like we we don't really know. The a lot of it is just the uncertainty of it. Like we don't know if things are going to come back in May or June or even later than that. You know, or the you know, just. Trump, so take it with a grain of salt. But uh, you know, he, he said that like things might not come really, you know, start getting back to normal till July or August. Yeah, I think that we're looking at 
quite a long prolonged time of things being very different yeah when it, when it initially popped up i thought it was gonna be like a month and now i'm thinking now it's definitely months yeah and before we go a little further on that like there, there's a way that you can help this and speed this up and it's just do your part stay home yeah. social distancing like what, what does it lower the curve what's the, flat, the phrase flatten, flatten the, curve. the curve yeah flatten the curve you know kind of thing and uh i definitely want to make sure at the end of the show we're going to mention some of the stuff again, especially, you know, the fundraisers you've been doing. So if you didn't catch it right away, uh, we're going to mention it again at the end of the show. I do want to talk about a few of the other things that are going on as well. Um, lots of other stuff that you can do to kind of keep yourself occupied, be a part of the community, um, <clears throat> watch some cool coverage. I'm going to be kind of like reading some of this as we're going because I got a lot of answers to this really quickly. And I've been super busy today, so I haven't been able to like super read over this. But I know that there's a couple cool things out there that you can do. Um, one of the first ones that I want to talk about is uh, from some some guys that we mentioned on the show already. This is Team Lotus Box. So uh, I know you you and I talked about this before the show. They've got a really cool thing going on. Um, it's going to be, uh, I, I believe it's this weekend. I, I think it's Saturday coming up. Um, it's an arena tournament that they're going to be running um, with their patrons, right? So if you're a patron of the Lotus Box uh, uh, of their patronage, um, a lot of cool stuff they do over there, right? Like they're really known for quote unquote breaking modern and having really good deck lists. Like just a great team of guys, really good stuff. If you're serious about competitive magic in the open series, there's a lot worse Patreons that you can, that you can, you can be a part of super good stuff over there. But everyone who's a Patreon or I'm sorry, a patron of their Patreon uh, this weekend can play in an arena tournament that they're going to run. And first prize is a thousand dollar gift card to, I think it's MTG first. And we don't know who MTG first is. It's, it's a, they're in Philly, right? Or right outside Philly, if I remember right, uh, Baltimore, Baltimore, maybe it's one of the it's one of the stops that we always do up. In I New think England. it's anyway, actually that, that, yeah. that jogged my memory. I think you're that, right. That's not important. The point I'm trying to make is their collection. Their selection is sick. They have everything. Like so, if there's some, you know some specific stuff that you want in Magic, you can get it. You know, with this stuff, um, really cool stuff. It's going to be run by MTG Melee. Um, they're going to be doing, uh, I think Grindcast is going to be a part of it as well. They're going to be, they're going to be doing commentary for this event as well. So they're going to be showing off like, I don't know if the Lotus Boxers are going to be participating in the event, but they'll be you know, showcasing some of the events and doing some stuff there. So a lot of cool stuff there. Um, something cool for you to watch as well. You know, if you're, if you're looking for some high level magic or whatever. Um, one of the ones that people might have heard of, um, Eric Johnson and Todd Anderson have been really uh at the forefront of this, like putting together is an Eric, event is Eric for Johnson Scooter's name. Yeah. Yeah. Scooter. Right. Yeah, Eric Johnson is Scooter's I literally name. Literally have only ever known him as Scooter. It's Scooter 222, right? Yeah. 222. Yeah. Um, if you don't know who Scooter is, um, he's kind of an unsung hero in the, in the magic community. He's one of those people that's like, he's had his hand involved in a lot of things and he's just behind the scenes. And you just don't know kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, and it's always of a positive way. Like no one has ever uttered a bad or mean thing about Eric Johnson in their life. I'm a huge fan of his, by the way. Um, so, uh, it's going to be at 3 PM Eastern on Saturday, the 21st. Um, they're going to be doing a tournament online. It's pioneer. Okay. Um, I don't remember exactly what the prizes are. They're having more and more donated and stuff like that. Um, that, that goes out to the, to the people, or whatever like that, and that they're in the event, and there will be a donation link plugged. Um, all the donations, like money wise, go to go to the charity. There, none of that's going to the players. They get there's like some boxes that are giving out like you know modern masters and stuff or whatever. Uh, it's a charity called uh, Direct Relief. They provide medical supplies, gowns, masks, you know, respirators, things like that. They provide the stuff that we're desperately short of in this country right now. That that help the aid relief fund. So that's really big. I'm going to read off the players that are confirmed right now for this event because 
Uh, it's pretty good, Ross. It is a murderer's row. Bring it. Brad Nelson, Jeff Hooglin, Numat the Nummy, Aspiring Spike, Jim Davis, uh, Mythic Mebo, uh, Allison Warfield, uh, Ryan uh, Overturf, uh, Gabriel Nassif, uh, Chris Kovartic, uh Saffron Olive, Martin Yuza, uh, Aaron Barich, Jarvis Yu, Jerry Thompson, uh, Strosky, and Bloody. I, I was about to say, I, f- I forgot Bloody's real name, but... Um, so that that's the list for now of like confirmed people. I think I think there's more possibly coming, but that is a star-studded field. Every single person is going to be streaming it on their own channels. So if you want to watch someone specific, you're like, I am a big New Matanami fan, or I'm a big uh, you know Mythic Mebo fan, you know, because who's not right? And you want to watch that. Also on Todd's channel, he's going to be kind of doing it like what was it? Uh, what was the the tournament series that used to happen on like Wednesdays in the middle of the day as like uh, the Twitch one? Uh, Twitch Rivals. Rivals, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's going to be like, you know, jumping back and forth. Uh, a lot of cool things going on there. They're going to have some guest commentators as well. So it'll be like Todd with somebody else, like almost every round. Um, I believe I'm going to be taking part in it. Uh, as I a player or commentator? Commentator. Um, I believe that's going to happen. we got to, you know, obviously work out all the details. Uh, you know, nothing's set in stone. Also, if like, you know, if somebody else really wants to do it and they want my slot, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, I'm going to do my my best to help out. I'm going to be making a donation as well. So I encourage everyone at home to do that as well. And then there was one more. Give me one second. I got it. I got it on. Uh, I got to look up the thing here. It, it's a different. OK, it was a different messenger. Uh, you know, Pascal Maynard has been uh, getting involved. You know, he retired from competitive magic. But he's been getting involved like in the tournament scene himself. Um, he's been doing a lot of stuff as well. They do the Arena Community Cup, and they do this monthly. But um, they're doing some stuff that has to do with, like, you know, uh, fighting against the virus. I think they're going to be, like, donating some money. So I haven't gotten the exact uh, terms of all that yet, but they are also an MTG Melee. Uh, You can create an account there. Then you click the tournament you want to play. the only thing you uh, there's also has a small catch, kind of like the Lotus Box one, where you have to be a patron, you have to be a Twitch subscription to their channel to join. That's it. Uh, so if you have Prime or something like that, this could be as cheap as like zero dollars to you, or as uh, expensive lots, as five dollars. Yeah, or expensive as a whole whopping five dollars, right? And I believe there's one going on. I think tomorrow. If I remember right, let me let me pull this up, which this might not get out in time for people to find that out. That one's only for, yeah, there's one tomorrow, March 18th. It's standard. It's $200 in prizes. But there's also one on March 28th that is standard, and it's giving out $1,000 in prizes. So uh, that one's 10 days from tomorrow. So you can maybe kind of work your schedule around that one, uh, whatever schedule that might be. You might have a lot of free time on your hands. So a lot of cool stuff for you to either play in. Or some cool ones for you to watch if you need some of like that competitive side. Because Ross, I'm going to be fiending after another week or two of not being able to watch like an open or play in something or just getting that kind of creative outlet. I need this in my life, Ross. I don't know. Maybe something's wrong with me. I mean, I I, I get it. I'll, I'll definitely want to tune in, and I I I should talk to Todd. I would be happy to join in on either side, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like I, when I was saying it, I was like, "Man, we need to get you. We need to get you involved." Yeah, I've just way, been, I've had so many things on my mind, and I did definitely heard about it in my head. I was like, "Yeah, I should talk to Todd about that." I just haven't done it yet. But probably after we're done recording, I'll send him a message. I was gonna say, I, I'll, I'll like make a deal with him. I'll, I'll donate an X amount every time he tells you to shut up. But he can't do it out of like he has to do it 
huh. organically. He doesn't literally sure. have to say shut up, but every time he just like shuts you down or something, it'd be great. We'll have a little fun with it or something. We'll, or we can make a drinking game out of it, but I might not survive that, so we'll see. No, you would not. Yeah, so that's some pretty cool stuff going on. There was a lot of standard, a little bit of Pioneer for y'all at home as well. Uh, there's some stuff in the pipelines as well. I know that uh, BCW and Lotus Box have some stuff in the works, kind of like what uh, y'all did. What was it, last week? Y'all, they had like a little bit of the show match. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're doing another one tomorrow, actually, some Wednesday evening. I don't know if this will be out by then. Speaking of that, I was say, let's, let's try to blow this thing up a little bit. I'm going to put you on the spot. If y'all need me for anything, and I've, I've already talked to, I think, one person about it, I'm I'm probably pretty free now when, okay. I, when I wasn't before. So we can, get a little, we can get a little help. And then maybe even, like, at one point, we could have the retiree match. Like, we can get, like, uh, Rossum or somebody who's, like, kind of retired from the Lone Buck <laughs> team versus me or something, or get Brennan involved or something. It'd be kind of funny. Yeah. It'd just be mistakes after mistake on both sides because we're so just washed. But it'd be pretty great. But uh, let's actually talk about some of the stuff that we're supposed to talk about here on the show because let's try to have some sense of normalcy. Yeah, How about that. Let's bring it back. There were some events uh, on MTGO last weekend for Pioneer. Pretty big events, actually. But uh, very large, right? Like especially for um, the average number that they normally are. But I think that's going to kind of be the norm going forward, or at least for the first few weeks. Yeah. No, these are both bi- were both big eight round events, so like in the one hundred and fifty to two hundred range ish. Um, so pretty impressive here, and we had a the Pioneer Challenge and the uh, you know a Pioneer PTQ. So why don't we start with the challenge? Since uh, I actually played in this one, this is a, and I streamed it on Sunday. If you want to watch me uh, run through some is it in Seoul, uh, the the vod is on my Twitch channel, which is uh, Ross underscore Miriam. Uh, I unfortunately finished exactly 33rd <laughs> after <laughs> so losing you didn't in the get last published, round. right? Yeah, so I didn't get published and you miss out on like five chests and 150 play points. So, so you, know, you like break even-ish. No, it, right? you you cost 300. It's a $30 uh, tournament. So I, I only got okay. half my money back instead of getting all of the play points back and just five che- netting five chests. Okay, so but it, like you played all day. So it's yeah. like as if you, yeah, yeah. It's, okay. like, it's like, you know, 25 bucks or something that, yeah, that I yeah, missed yeah. out on. Um, but still a tilt after losing the last round, but we, we had a fun day, uh, you know, had some pretty, uh, a lot of close matches and, and good matches. So if you want to watch that one, that is uh, all up. Although I was playing music the entire time. It might be muted. I don't know how any of that works. Yeah. Like if, if they mute a lot of the music. You have to get some stuff that's like, uh, approved or you have to own the music yourself. Like I'll show you a couple things that you can play the entire time that aren't bad. You don't, they usually don't have lyrics. Yeah, well. see, that's that's my issue. I can't listen to music without lyrics. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just it's just one of those things. It's like you, you gotta you gotta make a decision one way or the other what you want to do. But uh, the tournament was won by Mono White Devotion, and honestly, I'm not surprised anymore. I think this deck went from being like kind of a joke to well, maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, okay, it's playable too. It's just the best thing to be doing in this format, apparently. Yeah, honestly, like, if you look at this top eight, we only see one inverter deck, but you see a bunch of this mono-white deck, and actually an even a secondary build of it that we'll get into. So mono-white is really, uh, you know, sort of taken over the metagame, and a lot of the other things that are now popping up, I think, are a result of that shift. You know, there are decks that are popping up because they can prey on mono-white. A deck is very prevalent. You play against it almost every league, you know, uh, and it really is, you know, uh, a force to be reckoned with. And the lists haven't really changed much. You know, like, you see like Gideon's intervention. Sometimes you see Elspeth conquers death. This list has one of each. You know, 
You know, it's got the Owls, it's got the Gideons. You see main deck baffling ends. They used to have some main deck resting pieces. I think the metagame has gotten a little bit more varied that they can't really main deck rest in peace anymore, so it's in the sideboard. But like, th there is nothing, there is nothing new about this deck. May maybe this D aside in the board, but that's for the mirror. You know, tag their Heliod. So, I was gonna say, I think the only changes you're seeing in this deck is the they are steering into the fact they're gonna play mirrors. Right, like you know, you start to get that like we use the word, term inbred kind of thing. You know, when like remember when inverter was just the best thing to doing, and you started playing more and more of uh, you know certain planeswalkers and stuff to make sure you could win the mirror and stuff like that. And like I think that's what you're getting with this deck. And there's not much to talk about here other than the fact that like like you said, this is just straight up what we've been seeing. The thing I want to point out though is it does showcase what is probably the most powerful thing to be doing in Pioneer right now, and that's just Nykthos Shrine to next, just because that card is messed up. It's very good in this deck. Especially when, like, you're trying to combo, sort of, with Heliod and Walking Ballista, and then that's just, like, a secondary plan, right? Like, if I do a bunch of things, I just have all this mana to put into a Walking Ballista anyway. And also, like, the Heliod Ballista combo is very mana-intensive, so that extra mana even helps you to combo. Like, you you definitely do some disgusting things with Nykthos in this deck, um, and you're right. Nyk Nykthos is just one of the most powerful cards in Pioneer. It went away for a little bit when all the green cards got banned, but now we sort of we figured it out again. What's you know? We saw a little bit of blue devotion. We saw now we're seeing white devotion, and we're even seeing green devotion come back, which is the second place list. Yeah, as I was say, it's another list really hinging on Nykthos trying to Nyx being a very powerful card. We're looking at the mono green kind of like aspiring spike that was talking about with the twelve planeswalkers, you know, Karn, Nissa, Vivian, and this one does actually have something a little different in it. Not much, not much, but there are three walking ballistas main in this deck, and the more and more I think about it, the more and more I like this because. You and I tested this deck quite a bit. We played it quite a bit. And I like having just another mana sink that can possibly do something. Plus, I actually like having Walking Ballista main because I think it does help in the mono-white matchup a little bit. The fact that, A, it can kind of protect you from some creatures, you know, early in the game or whatever. But also, you can preemptively put a Ballista in play so you don't get comboed from the mono-white yeah, side. It's really hard to, for them to combo you through a Ballista. I think it's also pretty good in the mirror, just picking away all their mana creatures. Um... You know, it, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I found a lot of the games where, you know, you would play, like, you would play a bunch of stuff, right? Get a bunch of mana. You'd, like, play uh, a Planeswalker, and they would, like, kill it. And you're like, well, I don't have it. I have all this mana, but I have, like, I drew Jaylight Ranger this turn, which isn't horrible. But I drew, like, Elvish Mystic this turn, right? Or I drew Voyaging Seder this turn. But if Ballista stays in play, that's something you just keep dumping that mana into every turn. And it's, like, just another card. Because, like, that's, like, another thing that I thought was really cool about this deck is you have Wolf Willow. God, there's such a mouthful with willow haven card that works really well in this deck right like it's kind of like a rampant growth on turn two it pairs really well with nissa and voyaging Seder. also it you know you can dump five mana into it and get a two two out of it when you don't need the mana anymore so this is like another card kind of like that that ensures you have something to do with all this mana that's left over and you know can you tell which card they cut to make room for ballista from the no what was it list? just off the top of your you can't I, i'd have to really look at it what is it it's burning Tramissary. Yeah, and so I think we talked about this last week. Like, I was completely okay with that. Like, we saw a version that had cut Burning Tree Emissary, and I think that's fine. You have less explosive draws, you know, where you go crazy on, like, turn twos and three. Yeah, the turn two Nissa draw, right? Yeah, like, you cannot turn two Nissa draw, but, like, come on. Like, do we... Is that really... A, like, because here's the thing. That card is not good to top deck. No. There are some situations where it's okay, you know, like... And this deck really isn't trying to overwhelm you super quickly right it, it has 12 planeswalkers you can play a long game and just grind people out 
you know, with especially with Nissa and Karn. And Vivian obviously has a ton of synergy with Walking Ballista, just stacking counters on top of that. So I think this makes sense for how this deck goes. Uh, the one thing I'll say about it is that we both agree that this deck probably needs to evolve where you have some relevant cyborg cards. Yeah, only like three to four, maybe like yeah. five, maybe max. But like, I don't think you need fifteen wish targets. It's probably not needed anymore. The deck is really weak to spirits too. Having some some cards like you know Atzikant Archer or Crawl Harpooner, some what is it Windstorm or whatever yeah, the X spell, go, like, instant re spell, real bigs like cards like that. I think could help the spirits match up. And, and when we get to the PTQ results, there's a lot of spirits over there. Um, but I, I I really don't. Like, I played this deck through a few leagues and it. I just didn't wish for that many different cards. Exactly. That was the thing for me is I kept finding myself wishing for the same like core cards. Yeah. And then I was like all this other stuff that's like, yeah, it's nice to have these like corner case type things, but is it really, it's, it's cool, but is it good? You know, that, that's one thing I always say when you see something like this. So um, yeah, I got to agree with you this deck. I still think it's good. It's definitely, you know, obviously it's putting up results. It's, it's really sweet. Um, the thing that I like about it is, is, you know, you kind of you kind of hinted at this, or you kind of talked on it. Is the way that's playing? It's playing like a more robust game, right? It's playing like a longer game. You don't have to go crazy in the first couple of turns. It's starting to feel like the mono white deck, right? Like the mono white deck, like doesn't have to curve out to be very good. You know, it just needs to do a thing here, a thing there, a thing there. Like it's showing you that you don't have to go nuts, but you do have the possibility of doing so. But like it's like you said, it feels like they've started to realize I don't have to have burning Etrian emissary in here. I don't have to have the possibilities of these obscene draws, and I just make my deck better overall. Yeah. Like on more on like turns three to five than on turns you know two to three. And and you often see decks doing that when they get neutered a little bit by bans. We've seen a similar <laughs> impact from the ban of Moxopal on Urza decks. Yeah, the, the Urza decks like are slower, right? Yeah, they're a lot less proactive because they just can't be proactive at that speed that they are with without Opal. And if they're not going to be that fast, then they need to be that much more disruptive. And that's why, you know, what led Ely to build the Demir Wurza deck that exists now, you know, these green decks are now, they're actually more interactive. You know, the, the Planeswalkers do interact and, or at least help you play through interaction. Whereas, you know, the, the green devotion deck that we remember Todd Anderson building was just incredibly powerful, incredibly explosive, and incredibly consistent in doing that because of the presence of Oath of Nissa and Once Upon a Time to help you find Nykthos reliably or find uh, extra Burning Tree Emissaries and things like that. So if you're not able to do that that consistently, then there's no reason to leave yourself vulnerable to disruption where they can, you know, deal with your first couple threats and leave you with just a Burning Tree Emissary and some mana creatures. And so th this build I th makes just a, a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, I, I would just like to see some innovation in the sideboard. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got to agree with you on everything there. Love it. Great points. Uh, the third place deck is the deck that you kind of uh, buried the lead on. You guys didn't see this, but Ross just sat up straight in his, in, in his chair and like rubbed his hands together. He's ready to go. So this deck, I want to call it, it's the mono, mono white deck, but with a twist, right? Because it, it's not mono white. It's, it's, uh, it's blue mo white. It's moist white devotion, Tannen. So what I would do is if like I wrote this deck out, it would be a capital W and then a lowercase U. Yeah, we, so it's like a we don't do that at SCG. That's not, yeah, yeah. that's not part of our style. Again. So you're seeing a lot of the mono white deck, right? Like you're seeing the Gideon tribal effect. There's a baffling in and Elspeth's, you know, conquers decks, uh, the Stasis snare, Hanafinza, Dakthos, Heliod, Knight of the White Orchid, Three Bin Inspector. You're still seeing all this stuff. There's still the walking ballistas, but there's spell caller in here. Uh, there's Teferi time raveler and oh my Lord, 
Hold on to your butts. Everybody's about to get real excited for this Wait, one. Hold on, hold on. Okay, I'm holding Ross my butt. Ross is literally holding his butt. Uh, Dragon Lord Ojatai. Uh, this, yeah, that, that's I'm, a name I'm, I haven't heard in a long time. I'm like fanning myself over here. You know, I still own my Dragon Lord Ojatai's, but this is pretty sweet. And uh, I gotta say, I like the look of this deck. I've seen Todd actually play this online, and it looks like it could have some clunkier draws. But what do you think led them to putting the blue into the, like the white shell? Um. One is it provides some additional disruption, right? Mm -hmm. The white deck is just not very disruptive, as is. Um, and, you know, as a result, like, you're just kind of playing at the mercy of your opponent when they're like, killing your stuff. Yeah, like, Heliod survives a lot. Um, but, you know, you just can't, you can't do a whole lot. Your removal is really bad in white. That was the big problem with the color is Stasis Nair and Baffling End uh, just aren't the same as, let's like say... Like Fatal Push and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah Fatal Push and, and all the red removal and things like that. So Spellcrawler is quite good right now. It's excellent with Teferi. So your Splashing Hearts mm -hmm. that have a lot of synergy together. Teferi also great in protecting Dragonlord Ojitai. You know, I guess they can still get it during their turn, but like you're going to get one attack in and you're going to get a trigger in and that's really big. So Has has anyone ever won a game where someone has attacked them with Dragon Lortai, triggered it, and it hasn't died? I don't know if that's ever actually happened. I, would, I told you a game where it happened earlier in this cast. I don't Collins believe it, Mullen. though. It connected, I just don't believe it. I think the Ojitai connected four times. I just don't believe that's it. That's how I got 20 damage. It's the that's only 20 damage, Ross. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I gained, I gained life with Seeker of the way. Yeah, yeah, sure you did. Yeah. And I lost some life with Mana Confluence, and it all Likely settled down story. with me at exactly one life and him at, like, negative four. I will say this, Ross. Looking over the list, I do kind of like it. This does look like my kind of deck, but I'm looking at that land section. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is do, like, you, do, you, do you see the one of at the very end of it? <laughs> yeah. Port Town is a fucking joke. Yeah. And I'm saying, like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, yeah, I like all of these cards. You know, yeah, let's put Teferi in our deck. Let's put Spellcrawler and Dragonlord Rojitai in our deck. And then I look over and I'm like, let's not put Port Town and Irrigated Farmland in our deck. <laughs> There's a lot of those. Uh, yeah, it's four Irrigated Farmland, one Port Town. We got, and, and then Howl Fountain, Glacier Fortress, they're fine. So we're th this deck's at 13 blue sources, which to me is a little light for three drops. It's, it's close. Like, I would be happy at 14 or 15. So 13 is just a little bit light. Um, you also see that they go down to one copy of Nykthos because we don't have any, uh, you know, Arcanus Owls, don't have any only down to one stasis snare and that we're replacing it with you know azorius cards so there's only one white pip so this deck is much worse at, at abusing nykthos uh so down to one copy which makes room for more um you know colored lands but still got all the all the same two drops so we're, we're keeping the curve similar that's important but giving it back a little bit more just like of a fair game plan only three copies of heliod means the combo isn't as important so it kind of shows you that like this deck isn't just Nykthos and the combo, right? Because these splash cards are pushing away from those two elements. And those normally you would think like those are the elements I want to accentuate. But Yeah, that's what the white the mono white deck kind of showcases, right? Like it's this good deck that just has this combo finish. So it does kind of intrigue me that you would move away from that a little bit. Yeah. That, well, that said, like you're you're worse at getting to five devotion for Heliod, so it's not gonna be a creature as often. Um, okay. especially without the owl. And the combo is never something you're doing on like turn four or five, right? And it, you know we've cut all of the idyllic granges because we need Azorius lands, so uh, you know you're really never doing it on turn four or five. 
And Heliod basically never dies. Like, you, can, you just can't remove this card. You know, nobody's playing, like, Vraska's Contempts. Everybody in the mirror has one deicide. So if you draw one Heliod, it's staying. Unless they, like, Thoughtseize it out of your hand. So I can understand not wanting to play the full four copies. And, you know, there's certainly a, a method to their madness because not only did McWinsaw take third of the stack, it's in fifth place, too. And it's an identical list. I've been, yeah. you know, scrolling up and down looking at it. This is Kenza Burrow. So I assume they know each other or coordinated. They, they usually... either know each other or coordinated, or I think it probably did well in like, like a five Oh in a league or something, you know, someone just took this straight up list, you know what I mean? Or they did well in another event. I would find it even more impressive if two people copied the same list and both did well with it without having put a ton of work into it themselves. Because anytime you put a ton of work into a deck, you always make some change. Mm-hmm. Right? No, definitely. Definitely. You're like, Oh, this, this doesn't need, like I take this one port town out, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Type thing. Yeah. And I think that, you know what What makes sense to me about this deck? Is it emerging now? Because Mono White is sort of like at its peak. And a lot of decks are emerging to combat it. And this deck is taking away from some of the like really linear elements, the combo and Nykthos. Those elements are going to get worse when your opponent is prepared for you. And adding just individually powerful cards. And yeah, there's some synergy between Teferi and the two creatures, but they're all individually powerful cards. Yeah. So what it's do- by doing that, you insulate yourself against people bringing in additional disruption that matches up well against you. Things like Noxious Grasp, uh, you know, Sweepers, and, and stuff like that. So uh, it makes sense on that level um, to adjust to the metagame in that way. And, and uh, the really the one thing that worries me is the mana. You know, you're a little light on blue sources. You got a lot of ETB tap lands. Though you don't, you only have Thraben Inspector as a one-drop. So like turn one Irrigated Farmland, it's perfectly fine. Especially because it, it counts for Glacial Fortress, right? So... I definitely see what they're doing here. I like a lot of it. You even get some better cyber cards. There's one Mystical Sweet main, two in the board. That's just the best cyber card in all of Pioneer. Uh, you know, you get to play Dovin's Veto, which is a pretty good one. A Teferi Hero of Dominaria. You know, that is really nice in any control or inverter matchup. Probably good in the mirror, too. You can tuck Heliod and, the, like, their Stasis Nares and stuff, and it just draws a million cards. But this card's great in the mirror. Yeah, absolutely, and I gotta I gotta admit that, uh, or I gotta believe that it's one of the re- main reasons to do this, right? If you believe that this gives you a leg up in the mirror, and then you just get all the good parts of the minor white deck as well, that seems like a good spot to be in. Yeah, no, I'm that makes a, a ton of sense. So th- this is a definitely this is the deck that I have sort of my eye on. Like, is this a flash in the pan? Does this become the default build of white devotion? Because it's not even really a devotion deck anymore with only one Nykthos. This is just Azorius Heliod thing um look yeah we'll have to find out we'll have to see if it you know what I, i'm definitely going to check to see what the re, what the reaction to this is next week if like more people play it and more people are streaming with it i'll see if it puts up some results again next week let's take a look you know it's definitely one of the ones to kind of like make a note of and you know be like i need to check back in on this one yeah we'll definitely be uh, looking for that deck in results for next week but moving on fourth place Golduka playing he's this is your token inverter player so also one in this top eight yeah, also, it's, like, the cleanest inverter list I've ever seen. It's just, like, massive amounts of fours. And then a couple, like, threes and twos. Well, but. He, he's got the four Jace Vrinz Prodigy. This is kind of a new build of the deck. Um, you know, some people play Jace Vrinz Prodigy main, some sideboard a couple copies. And, like, usually you'll see some Narset's main, maybe an extra Hero's Downfall, an extra Thought Erasure in those slots. Like, two or three Narset, and then zero to one Downfall and Erasure are sort of the other options. He's also playing four choked estuaries. Sometimes you see one or two fetid pools over the estuaries. But that's basically it. 
Like, we have tuned the main deck of this deck. Everybody plays three Thassa's Oracle. They play min two Downfalls, min two Erasures, four of everything else, and those flex spots that he's turned into, into Jace. But the thing that I want to... I want to talk about two things. One is, is really quick, and it's these Ashiok Nightmare Muses in the sideboard. These, if you don't know or have been unclear, they've popped up in the last week or two. These are for the White Devotion deck because the two threes can actually, like, take over a game. They're, they have a lot of two twos and, like, you know... The two threes uh, are pretty good at stabilizing the battlefield, but the minus three is like your one way to answer Gideon's intervention and uh, you know Heliod, Stasis Snare, all of those cards that they play, those enchantments that are tough to deal with. Ashiok is a card that can do that while being able to take over a game by itself. So yeah, and that's like pretty sweet, right? Like it, it just means that like you have another way to remove something, and like oh yeah, but they don't have to you know remove that card from their hand when they return to them. But like if you play this well with Thought Seize and Thought Erasure, because the games are going to go relatively long. You can use this as a pseudo like bounce spell, you know. Thought sees you take the card that I really need to take, yeah. Type thing, or you can like sit there and make a bunch of two threes, stabilize the battlefield, and then when you have it set up, bounce their intervention and combo them all in one go. So yeah. you got a lot of options. The card is very good. If you have not been adopting this card because you just weren't sure what it was doing, like that's what it's there for. If you're struggling with the white devotion matchup, this is a card that you need to be trying. It is basically universally adopted at this point. Um, but the, the bigger point I want to make about this deck is, you know, we had no bans last week. We talked about that on last week's show. And I've seen a lot of kind of joking reactions from inverter players saying like, yeah, lol, 49% must be just a bunch of, of bad players picking the deck up and, you know, ruining its win rate. And a lot of them have just said, I have no reason to go on a uh, go move onto any other deck. I'm going to keep playing Inverter. You know, the deck is still awesome. It's far and away the best deck. But it's... And every single place, every single good finish I've seen with this deck, the like the overall numbers have diminished quite a bit. But every single good finish I see with this deck is a good player. Like, if you look at the PTQ, I don't think there's any in the top eight, but there's two in the top 16, and it's VTCLA and Canister. So, like, the best players are still winning with this deck. Though, you know, they're both in the top 16, not the top eight. Gold Dukat, who... He X2'd the Swiss in this tournament still in like snuck into the top eight. So like not a, you know, not an overly dominating performance, yeah, not yeah. a dominating performance. Still good. You know, six, two, you know, yeah, very good. never yeah. gonna, never gonna poo poo that. But you know, the, the deck is still around. And then like, I think that there's this prevailing, you know, sense, I think among that crowd that it's ridiculous that nothing got banned and the deck will get banned eventually, but they're going to keep playing it. And they think like, you know, none of the other decks are particularly good. And I, I have to say that I really disagree I think what's happening here is that, um, you know, the the inverter deck is obviously like a known quantity and it's going to be, there's only so bad it can get, right? Because when you have such flexible disruption and consistency from ops and digs and this combo finish, like you're never going to have a nightmare matchup. But based on how you've built your deck and especially the sideboard, because the main deck is uh, pretty homogenized at this point, but based on how you build your sideboard, like, you're going to have holes. You On any given weekend, there's a hole that, that the metagame can exploit. So the deck is not invincible. It's just about finding where the hole is. And for a while, it was it was White Devotion. Now they're adopting, you know, Ashok Nightmare Muse. You see a couple copies of Languish on the sideboard. Those sweepers help quite a bit. Um, and we've seen them move up on Heroes Downfalls to answer Planeswalkers. All of these things are adaptations that were meant to combat the rise of White Devotion and maybe some other strategies. After a while of them just trying to inbreed to beat the mirror, you know, a lot of Narset's main, that's when you saw that innovation. Uh, and, and that's when you saw them, you know, maybe sometimes even main deck mystical dispute. So 
to me, it seems like, yeah, like obviously the deck is really good. And if your list is perfectly prepared for the metagame, I think it's going to be the, the best deck. But you can't prepare for everything. You know, and then I believe that that is a sign of a tier one deck. It's not the sign of a dominant deck. The sign of a dominant deck is often when everyone is preparing for you and you're still winning a lot. Yeah, you know, that's what Eldrazi did. That's what Hogak did. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah. Hogak, like, people with, like, main deck, uh, uh, Ley Lines of the Void. Yeah. Still putting up winning percentage, like, uh, a winning record. Like, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> so, I, I don't think that, that 49% number, I think it's accurate. It just came at a time when most inverter players were a little bit behind the metagame. So, it's just a, a question of how well-tuned your inverter deck is. And that's a difficult thing to do. You know, you're not guaranteed, even a good player, to have a really good list every single weekend. Um, so... To me, I, I think it's, and I've reiterated this, I wrote my article last week about it, uh, that it was smart not to ban this deck because we have found different ways that you can attack it based on how the deck is built. That doesn't mean the deck is bad. It just means it's a tier one deck and it'll stay around. It's going to be, you know, inverters kind of kind of be the face of, of the format for now. Just the way, it, it, to me, it seems like Grixis Death Shadow. You know, eventually we might find a human's deck that emerges that really pushes Death Shadow to the... Uh, to the fringe, uh, or, or something else. But for right now, you know, it's at or near the top. There are some other decks competing with it. You can kind of think of like mono white, like Eldrazi Tron, right? Like shadow decks were bad against Eldrazi Tron until they started adopting a lot of ceremonies rejections in their sideboard and things like that. They were a little weak against dredge. They needed to hate there, but then like, you know, you sacrifice percentage points against like Jund or, you know, whatever. Um, but that's where I think it is. And I think that's a healthy place to be in. So I, I kind of, you know, scoff at the the crowd of people that are just like, you know, that laugh at the 49% mark that got cited in um, it's a Ian Duke's article about the bans. To me, look, it just makes a lot of sense that they're not banning it. Card, we had two eight-round events with a lot of good players in it, in each of them, and one inverter deck made, uh, you know, one made the combined two top eights. I was trying to figure out how to, how to express that. Because I'm pretty sure there's no inverter. Yeah, there's no inverter in the in the PTQ top eight. So, like, what, what's the, what's the problem? It's a good deck. Keep playing it if you like it, and it's good. You know, let other people, you know, play other things. Kind of moving on. There was one other deck that I wanted to talk about in this top eight. Now that we won't, you know, go over it to it, I'll go over it real quick. Uh, Sorry, seventh it's, place. It's in the challenge. VTCL and canister of top sixteen yeah. in the challenge. Yeah. So, so in the uh, yeah, it, the rest of the top eight, you're looking at another mono white deck in seventh place, and you're looking at. A cool deck in, in eighth place that we've talked a lot about, the the green stoppy deck that splashes black for Rotting Regisaur and a couple other things. You know, that deck won the PTQ this weekend. It won the PTQ, so won we're going to so get to that. Uh, say it again? It won another recent PTQ, didn't it? Like two weeks yes, ago, I think? Yeah, the deck, the deck is good. It's real. We're going to talk about that in a second. What I'm trying to get to is the sixth place deck from this challenge that was probably the coolest deck that we're going to cover today. So there's a deck that I've kind of noticed that has been missing from the results online lately, and you and I talked about this, and it's Soul Tide. The Sultai emerged, yeah. or not Sultai emerged, but the Sultai Uro deck that got really popular, Sultai Delirium deck that got really popular for a while. But you haven't seen it put up great results online for a multitude of reasons. Like, you know, the format's changing a little bit, and also the deck is like a bajillion dollars, right? That, that deck also apparently has a bad mono white matchup. So I think yeah, that apparently is also has a bad mono white matchup. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm talking about. It's a bad mono white matchup. Um, it costs more than most of the deck rental things will allow you to do. You know what I mean? Like, you have to own some of it yourself. You know, kind of things like if you own Euros, you're probably fine because those are a bajillion dollars a piece. But this is a deck that looks kind of like that. You know, like it kind of fits that role a little bit. It has some of the same cards, but 
Also, do you remember the deck that it had some press going into the players' tours? It did all right at a couple of the opens, like some of the teams in the in the team open, their Pioneer players playing it. It was like the green-blue ramp deck, right? Like it had some of the, the ramp stuff, but it had like four Uro, four Seder Wayfinder in like Ugin and stuff like that. You know, it just, it just put a bunch of lands into play. It ran like Ipnew Rivulets to help beat Inverter, and like that was the deck. Yeah. Right? You remember that? Well, this is that deck, but there's another color added to it. This is a teamer version where it's running... Okay, so it's got Bone Crusher Giant because that card's just busted. But we're looking at Kozilek's Return because this deck is actually an Elder Deep Fiend deck. Which is... This deck's just awesome, by the way. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And I think Kozilek's Return is definitely a response to Mono White. The card is just very good against them. You know, that that's... They're getting their devotion early from those one twos and two twos. And then when you flashback late, it, like, deals with everything except Heliod. Yeah, so, like, huge stuff there. And, like, I was talking about this before the show. I think it's really cool that you have another thing that you're trying to hit with Seder Wayfinder, right? Like, you have lands that you're trying to get off of them. It helps fuel Uro. But you also get this Kozilek return kind of package that's going as well. Also, the deck just plays four Champion of Wits, which is really cool, too. Another thing you want to turn over with Seder Wayfinder. Another way to fill your yard for Uro or to get more Kozilek return to your yard. Uh, this is great. Also, Champion of Wits is, like, one of the best cards to just kind of, uh, use Elder Deep Fiend off of, to kind of emerge off of, because, like, it helps you always find it, it helps the things going on, you have, you know, Cavalier Thorns in this deck as well to help fuel all that stuff and have big bodies. This deck is really, I can't keep using the word, it's just super cool, Ross. Like, I look at this, I'm like, I want to play this. Honestly, with how many things you want to get in the graveyard between Uro, Champion, and Return, I'm surprised there aren't more Cavaliers, but I imagine that's due to the mana, He's like, there's there's 27 lands in the deck. How many green sources we got? 10, there's 12? A, there's a good bit, because they are playing Nyssa as well, so you want to play as many forests as possible. So there's not many lands in here that don't produce green there's, mana. Like, there's there's three eight, steam there's vents. 18. Yeah, there's three steam vents, two mountains, and uh, two, three Ibni Rivulets, and those are the lands that don't that don't yeah. produce green. Still, so 18 green sources, even with Wayfinders, a little shy. And I guess you have carry added, too. It's a little shy, so I understand, too, there. Maybe, like, honestly, like... We're red, what, to hardcast K-Return and play Bone Crusher Giant. To me, it feels like this deck would be better if it was just Simic with K-Returns and you weren't super worried about hardcasting it. Like, you've got Seder Wayfinder, Carry Added, and uh, to, like, dig for your red cards. Like, I would probably play one Mountain and four Fabled Passage uh, just to, like, increase the, the number of effective red sources I have while decreasing the number of red lands I have. I'm also okay with increasing the number of Fable Passage in this deck when you have, like, four Uro and, yeah, exactly. you know, other things that you want, you want to get the cards in your yard, right? Like, if you don't have a lot of red sources, like, you still have Champion of Wits to discard it from your hand. Like, if you remember the Teamer Emerge decks that were in Standard, they didn't play many red sources. I think it was really just one mountain. Granted, you had the, the O3 that when it died, you, you could search for it, but you weren't that interested in hardcasting Kozilek's Return. So, um... I kind of I'm interested in going in that direction with this deck, but I, I think Kozlek's Return is a is definitely a good card in the format, and Elder Deep Fiend's a really powerful card. And honestly, Champion of Wits this was a standard staple. Remember, like there was Team Urge that it was part of, but then those like uh, those Demir midrange decks. Yeah. Uh, you know they all they all played Champion. All of the the Godfarer's Gift decks they all played Champion. Like this card saw a ton of play over its time in standard across multiple different seasons. So it's a little surprising not to see it show up in Pioneer, and it definitely puts in work here. Yeah, it was a very... It's one of those cards that's like... It's always been like... There's always a card in a format or two that's an unsung hero. It's like, 
it is the glue that's held a lot of decks together or helped build, you know, a lot of decks have been built around. But the thing is, it's not a super flashy card. It was never super expensive. You know, it's like a, a one to two dollar rare out of a bad set, you know, and stuff like that. So like it never, you know, had its time to like really shine as like some big flashy card that people had to go get. You just had four copies of this and you'd play it in a bunch of different decks. And, you know, it always played at the same time as like the Scarab God or something else, you know, like you wouldn't see the effect that Champion Woods would have on the game as much when, you know, someone plays Scarab God and you're like, oh, I can't kill this, I'm just dead kind of thing. So like <clears throat> you didn't have it, you know, taking over games when actually this was the card that was like making sure all the decks functioned, right? Just making sure that it hit its land drops, making sure that it always had fuel in the graveyard to do stuff. And you're seeing that in this deck too, you know, so make sure that you you always have that fourth or fifth mana, that you always have that color that you need, that you always get Kozilek's Return in your yard if you draw it. Because that's that's the thing in this deck. You don't want to draw Kozilek's Return, right? Like you want it in the yard and you want few, f- food for Uro as well. So like this card just pulls like quadruple duty in this deck and does a lot of things. Plus it's just a body. Just get just get that thing in there. Get some blocking done, attack some Planeswalkers. It's kind of messed up that Uro survives the K-Return flashback. That's messed up. Like, you just deep fiend them, and you have the Uro on the battlefield, and you're attacking for 11. I want to take out the sentences you just said about Uro and take out about 80-something to 90% of the words and just leave Uro is messed up. Yeah. Uro is messed up. I keep playing... Like, we've been playing a lot of it. We did a lot of playing with it today on Versus Live and Modern. And it, the card is just fucked up. Yeah, it's it's really, really, really good. Uh, kind of moving on to the next... I have one last point about this deck. Yeah, go ahead. This is a deck that has only been able to emerge because the metagame is targeting Demir Inverter so hard, because I cannot imagine this deck beating Demir Inverter. Yeah, it's right? probably not great. Like, you have you have Ibnu Rivulet, and you have, like, four Mystical Disputes in your sideboard, but, like, you are, you're, you're yeah. not... That's not a matchup you want to play. This is a, this is a Scissors deck, you know? Yeah. The... The rock deck of the format is Inverter, you know, although it's sort of quickly becoming mono-white, uh, that, that transformation might occur. And so, like, you know, the mono-white deck was the paper deck to try to beat up on Inverter, along with, like, maybe mono-green. And this deck definitely is good against those decks. That's where you want Kozlek's return. Decks with lots of creatures playing to the battlefield. Honestly, I think you're targeting yourself more with Rivulet than you're targeting your opponents in, over the span of a tournament. Because, like, think about this. It's it's good to help find Kozlek's return. It's good to feed Uro. I mean, oh, yeah. like... There's a lot of things that are good here because you're going to have some leftover mana with this deck. At certain times, you're 27 lands. You're trying to put, you're trying to play one every single turn. You're going to have some stuff left over. But um, yeah, that that goes for the Pioneer Challenge top eight. And we, we had some different decks actually show up in the uh, the PTQ top eight this weekend. But like you said, we talked about the one that won, and it was the Collected Company like Mono Green Splash Black uh, Steel Stompy type deck. Um, one of the things that's a little different, have they always played three Great Hinge? I always thought it was like a one or two of them. There's three yeah. in this version. Three is pretty high, especially... Um... So there's one other thing that was uh, pretty cool in this deck, too, that's a little different. It has a two-drop in it that's a little different than most. And we're not talking about scavenging, we're talking about Nessian Horn Beetle. And for those of you who don't play Limited with the new set, Nessian Horn Beetle is one and a green for a 2-2. Two, two. In the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control another creature power four or greater, I'm sorry, yeah, it is another creature, another creature power four or greater, you get to put a plus one plus one counter on it. Uh, pretty much every creature in this deck is going to trigger this. Yeah. You know, you do have like a couple scavenging gooses, scrap heap scroungers, and, and you know the elves, but all of your big hits, all of your three drops or more, uh, turn this creature on. And it's really nice to have a good two drop in this deck, right? We already see we see scavenging goose and scrap heap scrounger, but you know. A lot of people are going to are targeting your elves now. There's a lot of fatal pushes around. We're seeing a few more red decks around. 
Uh, and one of the weaknesses of this deck was a lot of the time when you kill their elf on turn one, they don't do anything on turn two if they don't ha have another elf. And this uh, person has clearly like built their curve, built it lower, but in part to enable collect a company, but also just insulates you from having your elf killed. So if your elf lives, yeah, you get to play that normal green draw, maybe accelerate it into company even, which is great. Uh, but if your elf doesn't live, like you still just get to curve one, two, three, four, uh, that some of the other builds of this deck can't do. So I think that adds a good bit of resiliency to early disruption and a good bit of consistency to how quickly like you're going to be able to get out of the gates. You do have to sacrifice a little bit of power. There's only one copy of Galta in the deck. It's going to make you a little bit worse in like mirrors, the sort of non-interactive matchups, but you're pretty good against those decks anyway, especially with three copies of the Great Hench. So if they're not interacting with you and you get the Great Hench going, that's what I saw happen in, in game three of the finals, actually, uh, against Zan. I was I was watching it on Zan's stream and Great Hench got down quickly and like Zan just couldn't do anything. Like the, the life gain meant he couldn't race. And if he tried to like trade resources, like, like his opponent was just drawing so many cards and like, Venerable Lamasu exoed this tournament. 8 eight of the Swiss, 3 of the, the top 8. So really dominant performance here from G Golgari Aggro. And now we, we've seen it, I think, win two PTQs in three weeks. It also, won, um, it also won a paper PTQ like at one of the last Grand Prix that was played. You know, we haven't had many of those lately, but it, it won one of the ones on that was done in paper. And I've been talking about this deck for a while. Like Since I saw the PTQ, I was like, I actually like this deck because I think it's, a, I think it's good. And you have like, it's the kind of deck that I like to play where like you have really big, hard to deal with creatures in the format. They, these creatures dodge a lot of the removal in this format or are harder to kill. And you have just enough kind of uh, like if you need to disrupt, you know, you have a couple thoughts. He's inside board. You have like some assassins trophies, a stay in the mind, things like that. So you have like a few little things because in this deck, you don't need to thought seize them a bunch of times. One is enough with this deck. You take that one card that matters. You're going to kill them very quickly and stuff. And it kind of surprises me that like, this deck is still doing this great because this one kind of initially really got popular when Inverter was like the most played deck because it was this deck beat up Inverter like quite a bit. And now you're seeing that the decks change a little bit and that's probably why. You know, you're not playing Inverter every other round in the tournaments that you play in. And I just think this deck's really good and definitely one of the better decks that isn't super represented. Yeah, you, you we don't see this deck a lot, but the, every time I see it, it seems to be at the top of the standings. So... Uh, definitely another deck to keep our eye on. I think this uh, and the Azorius build of Heliod uh, are the two sort of emerging decks. I think this deck actually benefits a lot from the decline in mono black aggro. A deck that can get ahead of you and has really good removal for your big creatures and then some good evasive threats. You know, they often have Spawn of Mayhem and Rankles to close out the game before your you know big creatures can turn the corner. So the, uh, Mono Black has really declined over the last couple weeks and I think Golgari is ready to take advantage because this deck can win really quickly. Like you turn four people if they're not interacting with you. Because turn two, Rod and Regis ordeals them 14 by turn four. You need to somehow come up with, like, follow it up with any five power creature. And then the mana creature attacks and gets the last point in on turn four. Like, that's not that hard of a draw against a non-interactive opponent. And if you're, you know, against, like, Mono White, yeah, they've got some Stasis Snares, Baffling Ends post-board. Hopefully you've got, like, Decays and Assassin's Trophies. Not a ton in this deck sideboard. Um, but... They absolutely need them like really quickly. Their creatures just can't match up in combat. And uh, I, I've been playing with uh, with Is It in Soul like 
My opponent cast a Rotting Regisaur in one round. Granted, it's out of Mono Black Aggro, which was really weird. Not a, not Kolgari, but they cast a Rotting Regisaur in turn three, and I just looked at, like, two in soul effects and a Shrapnel Blast in my hand, and, like, I had all ground creatures. I'm just like, I'm, I'm doing my thing, and it just doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm just dead. Yeah, <laughs> Regisaur yeah. is just too big. Yeah, it's, it's like, the point we were talking about, right? Like, it, it, it gets, you know, four and five toughness gets around, and in your case, six or seven gets around the popular cards in the format or like specific little points right and so you get a lot of extra little edge there so i like this deck a lot definitely highly recommend this if you're looking for something that you haven't you know you haven't found your place yet in pioneer or you're looking for something new this is a deck to definitely check out uh another cool one in second place we kind of talked about this uh zanman uh Zanzayed himself lost in the finals i actually watched him play a ton of this tournament because he was streaming himself through it and he was just playing blue-white spirits, but with a little bit of twist. So you're seeing three Teferi's main deck here. That's something that's not always, you know, super prevalent. Sometimes you're zero. Sometimes let's, you got a couple more. Let's start at what is missing, right? Because there, there's a couple Bant spirits decks in this top eight that are just basically stock. Uh, you know, one of them has a Yavamai Coast, sure. You know, one of them still has some Brazen Borrowers. But for the most part, if you're talking about the 9-4 of 24 land Bant Company main deck, the cards that Xana's cut are obviously a collected company to go to Azorius and Nebelgast Herald. Which might have hurt him in the finals, by the way. Nebelgast Herald is a card that does pretty well against whatever uh, yeah. the green, so let, black, stompy deck. So what are the eight cards that you know, he's playing over? He actually trimmed the land because he's down a color. So it's, so it's nine cards that he gets in the main. And we see two Brazen Borrower, two Ojitai's Command, two main deck copies of Mystical Dispute, and then three Teferi Time Raveler. So this is what you're gaining. You also get to play some a couple of Mutavolts in the mana base because you're down a color. Um, so to me, having played Bant Spirits uh, a fair bit, you know, having to play 24 lands is really a consequence of being three colors. And the issue is that you, you're now very prone to flooding. This deck certainly less prone to flooding. It's got things like Ojai's Command, Teferi, uh, and Mutavolt to help spend a little extra mana on, and it's down one land. So that, that's, I think, a pretty big plus. Second... Teferi is awesome in this deck. Yes. Like, you're already a tempo deck. Teferi is like, sets them back on tempo pretty easily. But if it sticks around in play, your spell quellers are always safe. Even if they kill it on their main phase, they can't actually cast the spell because the, you know, it's as part of the, it's as part of a, a trigger resolving. And so Teferi is like, no, you can't cast it. Um, you can't cast something with a trigger on the stack yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you try to ambush your opponent's creatures, it always works. So it's like really hard for them to attack into a Teferi and open mana. You know, uh, it really does you know, throw people off. The uh, the spells, the Mystical Disputes, I think were really good a couple weeks ago. Um, there's a little bit less Inverter now, a lot more of these Devotion decks. I think main decking, especially two copies of Dispute, is really risky. So, so here's the thing. I, I'm not sure I 100% agree. I do think that it's less good than it was. But but here's the thing. The upside on it's huge, right? Like, if you run into a deck where uh, it just gets to be one mana mana leak, that's awesome, right? When it's at its floor, when it's just cancel, because, like, most of the time it's just going to be cancel, right? Like, the way the games play out, you're a little quick game. The fact that you can leave up, like, Spellcaller, Mystical Dispute... Uh, uh, what's it called? Rattle chains, and then you know, brazen bar. You have all of those options. It makes the card playable. So you know what I'm saying? The floor on it isn't super low, and if you have to play it as cancel, I think you're okay so, with you know, that. Against the devotion decks, you know, three mana cancel is not the worst. Uh, you know, especially the green one. It also does actually counter Arcanist Owl for one mana. 
Oh yeah, I forgot the thing is actually owl, like blue. Owl is a blue card, so so let's let's actually talk for a second about the other counter spell in this deck, and that's Ojitai's command. And for people at home that might not know what this one does, because this one hasn't been played too much in Pioneer. And if you weren't around when this card was played, it was it was an all star in standard quite a bit. It was like quite eh, prevalent. It was it well, was a role player, but it, it was, was a good role player. player. It was a role player in an important role player in the, like the best stack or like one yeah. of the best decks in the format. So Ojitai's command is two white blue, and it's kind of like cryptic command. It's choose two of these four things. Uh, return target creature card with converting mana cost two or less from the graveyard to battlefield. So it's almost every creature in your deck. Uh, you gain four life, counter target creature spell, and draw a card. So a lot of cool things that you can do here. You can like bring rattle chains back into play. Uh, you know, counter spell their thing. Like uh, counter spell their spell that's like targeting one of your stuff. Uh, draw a card off it. So it's very cryptic command esque. You can counter their creature and draw a card. Very cryptic command esque. Um, you could just get a threat into play. Uh, with Teferi in play, this card is always resolving, you know, that kind of thing. So this card is pretty cool. Um, it does get back some uh, interesting stuff out of the sideboard, too, which we see, too, a Russian Cleric in the sideboard. And that's a that's a sweet one, right? Like, I watched Zan playing against a red deck, and having a Russian Cleric into Ojedi's Command is a cool thing to do, right? You're like, get back my Russian Cleric, gain four life, gain three life, just gain seven life, right? Yeah, Here's and the have thing. a one I think walker. It, and I think it sucks. <laughs> um, I remember watching it from Zan's side, playing as the red player, and like he kept his open hand and it was good, and he had like a Russian cleric in it. But like the more I watch it, because we're gonna talk about this red deck in a minute that, that was in this top eight, and they're getting a little popular again. I don't even think the card is that good against them in the way the decks are built. Because the red decks, as we figured out, are not super burn heavy. They play right, their slashes to, and their strikes. Yeah. They're trying to beat you on the battlefield. I guess Bone Cart like stomps too. You yeah, know, just enough spells to make Swift Spear and Soulscar playable because the other one drops just aren't great. Um, you know, and I so will say this. I will say this about it. If you play it, gain three life on it, and then it blocks and doesn't die like once or twice, that's probably enough to win you the game. And that's maybe all you need is you need a card to kind of like gain yourself some tempo, make make the game go long enough against uh, the the red deck. The thing is, is like you casting this on turn two against a red deck, like you're falling behind honestly when you're doing it most of the time like you're not it doesn't match up well with their creatures like you're trying to kind of fit it in somewhere where like you're still attacking in the air does that make sense to what i'm trying to say like it checks two-thirds of cards up like it always blocks the ragavan if that's about it it frequently blocks the one drops and like makes them extend some resources like it's reasonable i think it's it's actually it's pretty good against against mono black if you're also worried about that deck like they're all two ones so the body is very good there so let's not you know say it's just for for mono red, right? I think right. I just think that I agree with you that the, that the actual play of gain four life or turn my Russian cleric isn't that good, but I really like the idea of counter your Torbrin, return my Russian cleric, gain three life. Yeah, that right there, that that gets me excited. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that play, like I can get into. Uh, honestly, like if they don't play into it and just pass, I would prefer the play of return my cleric, draw a card to gain to just gain seven. Because you don't need to, you don't need to gain a ton of life against the red decks. They don't have that much burn. You need a little bit of life, and so sometimes you can go like gain four, return a different creature, like a rattle chains to counter their lightning strike on yeah. your, your your spell queller or something like that, or gain four counter your your bone crusher giant. That's kind of your last thing, or counter your chain whirl or something like that. Those are all good plays. It's it just I just don't like the all in gain a bunch of life because then you end up losing to their creatures. See that that's the point, I mean, and like I really agree with you, and like that's that's really good points, like. That gets me more excited is like play Ojitai's Command is like a tempo card or something like that. Like, you know, like you said, yeah. this this other way that you're playing it is it's not going to win you the game. But I will say this. I do like the Ojitai's Commands in the deck at some point in time, even if it's only like one or two of them, which I think is like kind of a sweet spot. Because here's the thing. Now it's another card they have to account for when they're trying to figure out like 
that's the worst part about playing it's like spirit decks right like spirit decks when it was like mono blue tempo and standard is like they're always saying go like they're always like yeah. go 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 and, and you're just like, like what do they have they could have this yz i play around them in three different ways and i don't know which one they have yeah did yeah. you ever play against fairies and they would just like make their fourth land drop and say go and you're like what do i do yeah because they have like crypto commander misbind click and you're like they're both horrendous for me like do i attack first do i cast a spell it's all it's all horrible you know, because, like, if you attack and they just have Mistbind click, you just got time-walked. If you, like, cast a spell, they just, like, counter your spell and tap yourself and you got time-walked, you know, out of, like, a, a tempo deck. So, like, I do like the inclusion, so we'll have to see going forward if this is, like, a thing that, that happens. I do think this deck is cool. I like spirit decks. Um, the thing I like about them the most is you're almost always dictating what's going on in the game. You're the one setting the pace, and... That's where we saw Zan lose in the finals is like a deck that he could never really. Yeah, like especially when they were on the play, he just couldn't keep up with them. And I think, and that's where you're, you said it right when we started that he's missing Nebelgas Herald. I want to see like three Herald over one of the main deck disputes and the borrowers. I'm also a little wary of the number of white sources. There's 14 here, and there's not a lot of white in the main deck. Main deck's predominantly blue, but look at that sideboard. Three Deck and Stone, two Russian Cleric, two Detention Sphere, two Rest in Peace, two Gideon of the Trials. Like, thir- 14 White Sources, what did I say? 14 White Sources is not enough to be casting Gideon of the Trials reliably on turn three. So what you're saying is they need to play the fourth port town. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably just play a Plains or, you know, a Shefet Dunes or... <laughs> <laughs> Literal anything else. <laughs> yeah, and, and so may- maybe I want another land too, but I, I really want some Nebelgast Heralds. That card does a lot of work. It's a little bit worse for that company because you get, like, the double trigger, but... Um, it really does help you out, especially against these bit go tall aggro decks. So if that Golgari deck is a problem, Noble Guest Herald is great against them. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm glad we got that out about Ojutai's command because I, I think, I, I think you, you, I understood what you were trying to say, but you kind of glossed over it by saying it's bad. It's that that play is bad. So like the yeah. the Ojutai's command, I think is good, and we we got there eventually. It's just that you need to know that like these red decks, they're not burn decks. They are creature aggressive decks, so you need to beat them on the battlefield. Ojai's Command will help you do that. You know, and, and one of the issues of playing its red decks is if you try too hard to beat them on the battlefield, sometimes they can punk you out with burn spells. Ojai's Command will stop that too. You just have to navigate the texture of the game uh, of that moment properly. But regardless of the situation you're in, it will help you out. It seems great. I like that card quite a bit. Um, and I actually, I think I, I like Zan's build overall more than I like Bant. Because my, my big issue with Bant is that it just doesn't take advantage of its mana base well enough. I do see the third place Bant list has two mid vaults in the mana base. Wow. They are just really, uh, they really don't want to cast their spells, do they? <laughs> so this is pretty interesting to me. It's it's pretty much a stock list. Like, you know, there's some twos here or there. It's fine. But there's two Curious Obsession in the list. And, and that's another card I've always been interested in the Spirit decks. It seems like an auto-include to me as more is as, as a thing. But, like, I would have to test it out to see if it's something you actually need. But, you know, I have a... Uh, I'm quite obsessed with this card. So. Oh, yeah. We used to see Curious Obsession and Spirits way in the beginning of the format. Before Spirits got popular, like the, the stock decks did. And when the deck finally got tuned, uh, Obsession kind of got cut. I think th- this format, outside of Inverter, is a little bit removal light. You know, the green and white Devotion decks. So Obsession makes a little bit more sense. It also does help your mana base a little bit. So I can kind of see it, but I, I still just don't like it that much in this deck. So, so this deck, again, pretty stock, but I will talk about uh, there's a four of in the sideboard I wanted to mention real quick. There's four in Null. Uh, how do you feel about playing a deck that has four in Null when you're playing Is It and Soul? I mean, my artifacts generally cost one, so it it's actually... It literally counters your entire deck. Oh, it, count, it counters in Soul. That's in, that's a problem, because in Soul's an enchantment. The, a Null is there for Mono White, you know? Yeah, I know, I know. Counters Stasis Snare, Baffling Ant, Heliod, 
uh, Arcanist Owl, you know. So that's definitely, and it, it seems really good in that matchup. So this person clearly came prepared to try to beat Model They White. knew they knew yeah. what's up, yeah. And, and I'm sure they beat it several times on their way to a third place finish. But yeah, and uh, speaking of the finishes in the fourth place, it's the it's the red deck that we talked about, and. You know, this, this is kind of like the creature decks that we've seen. You see three Torbrin. That's not something that you always see. Uh, there's a Hazaret in this deck, so a lot of four drops in this one. So we're talking about this one's much more to the board. You do see four Lightning Strike, four Wild Slash, but that's it. You know, there's a Chandra in here that can go a little bit more direct damage, but you're looking at four Bone Crushers, four uh, Chain Whirlers, all the one drops that you're expecting to see, you know, Swift Spear, Soul Star Mage, you know, Kari's up. This deck is trying to get on the board and kill you that way, and they're... They have four uh, uh, Ramonap ruins as well. So this is a burn spell that, like, you can't even interact with as well. You can't, like, spell color. So this is, like, the typical red deck we've been seeing. And we're starting to see a little bit of it getting popular again. We'll have to see. I see this deck, like, weave in and out of the metagame a lot. You know, there's weeks where we don't even sniff a mono red deck. And there's weeks like this one where uh, this deck came very close to beating Xan in the semifinals. Yeah, they, I, there was a really good match. Yeah, it, it was a really good one. I would like to see what happens with this deck versus the green deck in the finals. I'm not sure what goes on there. Um, uh, red decks have a hard time beating 5-5s five and 7-6s. So. I, I figured as much. I figured as much. And without having a sideboard like built for that, you know, um, there are also a couple things. There is like multiple harness by force and stuff in the sideboard, so you might be able to like, steal a game. That certainly helps. But yeah. I also like the lower curve of the winning list, Venerable Lamassi's deck. Like all those two drops means that you're not going to get punked out as often having your elf slashed or stomped. Uh, I was, yeah, about to say fifth place, yet another uh, Bant Spirit deck. So a lot of Spirit decks in this one. Um, sixth place, we're seeing our first uh, Mono White Devotion deck. This is one without, both pretty stock Mono White. Yeah, Super Mono, uh, Super Stock, nothing really different there. Same thing in seventh place, yet another one. They both look extremely similar. And then a uh, very interesting deck in eighth place, the deck that we haven't seen in a while that people were really, really worried about and we're talking about bands. Underworld Breach made a little bit of a showing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, as a, a fan of playing this deck, it's super fun, uh, really interesting, really difficult. I'm awaiting the day when people s- start really ignoring it. You know how many damping spheres are in this top sixteen? Like 16, Not a lot. Sixteen lists are published. How many? How many do you think? Give me a guess. Uh, four. Oh, it's more than that. Twelve. It's exactly twelve. <laughs> Good second guess. Um, so. 12 between 16 decks. And yeah, some of them are like wish targets for Monogreen. They always have one Damping Sphere. But when when Corey and I played this deck and Ely in Indianapolis, like people were playing three and four Damping Spheres on the sideboard a lot of the time. Yeah. No one plays more than two now. And everyone's cutting them. Uh, you know, people are... We're getting to the point where people are going to be on no Damping Spheres. And when that happens, this deck is going to be good. Yeah, so you're, you're waiting for it to go the direction of, like, Dredge and Modern, right? Except for when, like, Dredge was broken, broken. But you know what I mean? Like, we talk about this, like, once or twice a year, there's, like, a tournament that Dredge wins. And people are like, oh, yeah, no one was playing Rest in Peace. Like, no one was ready to beat this deck. And this, this one might go the way of that soon. And, like, there's nothing super out, out of the ordinary about this list. It's not like they made a huge innovation. There's a pieces of the puzzle in the main deck, you know? In like the flex spot, sometimes they main deck a dispute. Sometimes they play a blink of an eye. I know we played a twenty fifth land. There's kind of one flex spot, so they played a pieces of the puzzle there. That's new, but it's like, yeah, sure. How much does that change? You know, hour of revelation. Oh, they're playing our. I thought this was hour of devastation. They're playing hour of revelation. You know, really a cool thing to beat up on these devotion decks. Destroy it destroys. Again, it's basically impossible to cast to destroy damping sphere, but like destroys all the Gideons. 
at once, so that's pretty cool. I'd like to see an hour of devastation over Verdict, because that one kills uh, Heliod. Um, but, you know, yeah, really nothing super out of the ordinary here. This is just a normal um, Underworld Breach deck, Lotus Breach. It did X2 the Swiss and then losing the top eight, so like an overall record of 6-3, which is good, like not great, but we're still still, we haven't seen the trough of the number of Damping Spheres in the metagame. And we are going to see it soon, and I'm going to be playing that deck. <laughs> really, really, really good point. Um, there's one thing, one more thing I want to talk about before we kind of get away from the deck list. In both of these events, I think it was both of top 16s, there was a Grixis deck. Uh, they were quite different, and both sides will have the links added to the uh, show notes. There, so you can there's make sure two Grixis decks in this top 16. Oh, no, you're right. There, There's one in each. Yeah, so definitely something to check out there. Um, a lot of, if you're if you're a fan of Nicol Bolas the Ravager, I think it's in both lists. One of them has, uh, is it, how do you pronounce, is it Croaxa uh, or Croaxa? Croaxa, yeah. I was going to say, I've never heard anyone actually say it out loud, but there's definitely those in both of the decks. You, you, um, know, who, you know who the good soldier is, right? The 11th place list from the, the PTU? No, who is? That's oh, Ryan that's, Over, that's Ryan that's Ryan Overturf. Overturf. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know, uh, I was, he was streamed with this deck the other day. Do you know how it came to be? It's a great story. He just wrote it on a napkin for Nick Price, right? Nick Prince, yeah. But they had a, it was because they had they had a bet going, and Nick bet him that one of Narset or Karn, the Great Creator, either would get banned or would very obviously get something else banned within the calendar year 2019. And Micah Zathlatis got banned in, like, early 2020. And so he, by, like, weeks, Ryan win, won the bet. And the bet was to, like, have one of them play a deck of the other person's design at a tournament. So Nick was going to a PTQ, and Ryan, built, obviously, being the Grixis lover that he is, just went and was like, you know, let's build him, like, a you know, a Grixis deck. And, like, the deck wasn't good at first pass, but he noticed that, like, Crocs was good and some of the elements were good. And so Ryan has been working on it and actually, like, doing pretty well with the deck. Um, you know, he says that, like, Discovery Dispersal has been really overperforming. Crocs has been really good. So this deck actually, like, it puts a lot of pressure on your opponents, Um you know, because of the adventure creatures and Nickel Bulls, the Ravager, which is hard to kill. And then obviously Croxa. And it just like between Croxa and the discard spells and all the removal, you just wear your opponent on resources and the Nickel Bulls is like you just wear them down on resources really, really quickly. Um, and the like mono white and mono green are decks that want to be resource rich. So it matches up well against those, but it can also play a reasonable game against Inverter. You know, you have good answers to Planeswalkers with Dreadbores and Murderous Riders, and you have your own disruption. All your creatures are two-for-ones, right? Crocs up, Bone Crusher, Murderous Rider, Nicobolus, just every single one of them is a two-for-one. This deck is a walking two-for-one, by the way. Yeah, which is like every Grixis deck, right? That's just what Grixis decks are. So um, I the day I watched, he didn't do that great on stream. So, you know, um, we'll see if he continues to tune it and play it. But it's Ryan Overture. If he loves Grixis, he'll probably keep playing it. Yeah, yeah, what does he call it? Unbeatable Grixis, but yeah. These decks, I, I like the cards in them every time I play. I just don't understand anyone ever casts a spell in this deck. The mana is always horrible yes, for me. Yes, that is true. Yeah, so we'll have to see. But if you like these kinds of cards and these kinds of in these kinds of decks or whatever, you just like killing everything and drawing a bunch of extra cards and doing a bunch of stuff like that. If you like Jund, this is this is like Pioneer's Jund, even though Jund is really good right now in Modern. But anyway... Uh, it is nice to see the other Titan kind of show up and do some stuff because we keep talking about how messed up Uro is. You, you would assume the other Titan has got some powerful thing it could be doing as well. It so. really does pressure the opponent so hard, especially when you have other discard and your opponent just empties their hand quickly. Because when you when you trigger Croxa and they have an empty hand, they're taking three. They have to discard a non-land card to it to, to uh, you know not take any damage. So it attacks for nine pretty frequently. <laughs> 
which is a lot for a four mana card. Yeah, agreed. And like that, that card is like you said, it's a six six as well. Those things are just hard to kill yeah, in this format, and they match up really well against creatures and other decks as well. Like if I was playing the if I was playing the green black deck, and I do think that deck is really good, I would not want to get paired up against this this Grixis deck. This is going oh, yeah. to literally kill everything I do. Yeah, they even have you know. Oh, they don't have Bedevils, uh, but I think they have the some way to kill... The Green your way out of it, yeah. Yeah, well, they have some way to kill artifacts, I'm sure. Uh, I'm looking through the sideboard right now. I don't... It doesn't look like he had any way in his deck. Oh, yeah, gross. Okay, yeah, so the Great Hand is going to be good, but, like, they could easily adapt to that, they right? They could just seize it, you know, or that play, kind of thing. play Bedevil or something like that, so... Yeah, if that, and that's if the if the Steel Snoppy deck gets, like, really... I'm sorry, the Golgari Aggro deck gets really, really popular again. Let me get the, the SEG-approved name. Sure. Right the here, one so. issue with uh with Croxa, especially... Uh, it's, it's not as good as Uro, that, that's for sure, but one of the issues with the body itself is that Croxa is a two-mana card, where Uro is three, so it does always die to push. Oh, God, I didn't even actually think about that, because I'm like, oh, they both get, like, a Brook Decay and stuff, so, like, whatever, but no one's playing that card anymore either, so, uh, yeah, these decks are pretty cool, definitely think you should try them out and check them out if it's, like, up your alley, you know, this is the kind of thing you want to do, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, check, check them out, it's not something I'll do, Ross, like, it's not something I'm going to go out of my way, I like to watch Ryan play the decks, I don't like oh, to... I am not a Grixis person, so... Oh, yeah. I, I love Grixis cards, obviously, because of whatever. Um, speaking of the bet thing, we need to find one at some point in time where we have a bet for that, and we get to choose the deck for the other person, because I can't wait to make you play some like deck that's just like totally not you in a big event, and you're going to do great with it, and I'm going to get all the credit. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, that'll that'll work out quite well, I'm sure. Just how you how you drew it up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, You'll probably win the goddamn my... event. <laughs> My uh my takeaway here is that even though we haven't had you know a big pioneer event in a while, the metagame is continuing to evolve. We're seeing some aggressive decks come back into the metagame. You know, Golgari. Um, I like Isn't Soul, even though it's not seeing a ton of play. Uh, you know, Spirits popping back up. Um, you know, and a little bit of Mono Red as well. So the getting those aggressive decks back in because the other decks are a little bit um, you know, inbred. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense. We're seeing Mono White really sort of take over. And honestly, you can make an argument that Mono White is the default best deck in the format right now, and it's not Inverter. Uh, that's definitely an argument you can make. We're seeing Green you know, solidify it, it, its spot in the metagame. So there's plenty of, of things to keep track of. This is not a, you know, a time where you can just say, okay, nothing's going to happen. I'll just keep playing my same deck and, and not really innovate. You do have to you know, keep uh, tabs on things, and you should be able to do that from the comfort of your own homes. Yeah, and I think the the part that excites me the most about all this, like piggybacking what you're saying and, and absolutely agreeing with it is it feels like the format is pretty wide open too. Like we've seen a lot of decks, a lot of variations on the same decks, a lot of cool things going on and some new stuff going on. I, w I wouldn't say it's super wide open. Like these are decks that we've seen before. They're just kind of cycling back yeah, up. There's more than like, okay, a couple weeks ago, I felt like there was like three decks you could yes. play. The, the metagame is definitely widening a little. Because people have figured out how to attack Jameer Inverter. The Inverter deck is not invincible. It didn't need to get a ban. We have, it, The metagame is generally contained. It's still a very good deck. Still, you know, a good bet to win any given tournament. But it's not Eldrazi. It's not Hogak. Like, it's not, you know, not any of those. So, uh, that uh, yeah, it's, it's better than it was, you know, three, four weeks ago. I completely agree. All right, we're getting pretty late on this episode, and we have a few more things that we needed to cover. Oh, by the way, I kind of forgot about this. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Ross. Yeah, why do you think I'm drinking Guinness? Oh yeah, you know what? It didn't even it didn't even like <laughs> dawn on me or whatever. Are, are you, you are you wearing any any green? Because I've got it. I'm wearing the Simic Combine shirt. 
don't know if y'all can hear me moving. I'm looking. Ross, I'm not, I don't think I'm wearing any green. I have green eyes. Does that count? No, it does not. I hold see on, a wait, Doseki wait, shirt. Wait, hold on. Nope. I, I oh. have green underwear on. <laughs> Saved. Saved. I, I can't confirm or deny this. Do you, do you want to? Audience. Do you want to? I was gonna say. Do you want to see if I actually have? Green? Otherwise, I'm flying to New Orleans and pinching you. Yeah. Well, I. Oh God. Do you do you want to see the underwear, Ross? I'll, I will show you. I always want to see your underwear, Tanya. <laughs> All right, maybe after the show. I don't. I don't want you to be speechless <laughs> for the rest of the show, kind of thing. But. Uh, all right, uh, I think we had a couple. This takes me back to long nights at BCW hotel rooms. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you throwing milk at my uh, genitals and eating cookies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Long stories there. <laughs> <laughs> we ordered insomnia cookies a lot. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always the same thing too. It was always like you, Brennan, and I. And Brennan would go to sleep like super early or be on the phone for like four hours. So it'd be like me and you like having a drink, hanging out, like watching a jazz game because they were West Coast, and it was Let's a lot of fun, man. Cookies. I miss it. Yeah, well, you know, maybe when uh, things come, you know, start back up again. I just got sad because I was thinking about that. I was like, we should do that again. We could, like, have a Skype date or whatever they're called and, like, watch a jazz. Oh, wait, there's no NBA and there's no Major League Baseball and there's none of this. We, like, watch some old game or something. You can hang out in my uh, stream chat. I've I've been doing that already, Ross. Yeah, well, you can keep doing it. Let's let's, uh, wrap. We're definitely going long. For the last, like, three weeks, as we've been setting up the show, I've told Tana, like, yeah, this is going to be a nice short show. Like, we don't have a ton to talk about. And then they just keep getting longer. We just... Well, yeah, so we didn't have a ton to talk about on this show, but we talked a lot about the things that we did talk about, plus, like, the world is on fire. So, you know, we talked about that kind of stuff, yeah, and we're going to be talking. That's only Australia, Tannen. Keep your news straight. Figuratively, Ross. Figuratively. <laughs> well, they're literally on fire. Yeah, they're literally That on hasn't fire. stopped. Yeah. So hopefully it just starts raining a lot there. But yeah. we've got uh, we've got two good mailback questions. Uh, if y'all are unaware, it, for at a it's the is it the five dollar level in the Patreon? I think anyone who is in the Patreon period can be can submit to the mailbag. Yeah. Okay. So at, at any Patreon level, I think uh, you get access to this specific channel in the Discord uh, where you can submit questions and we answer them on air. And we've got two here in the queue, and they are nice ones. Um, first one from Snack Size Biscuit. Do you think if no ban list changes for Pioneer turns out to be a good thing, that Felid or Guardian can be looked at getting unbanned? If Breach, Inverter, and Heliod slash Ballista aren't too good, then I feel Felidar being on the ban list feels similar to the issue that Modern has, where some cards on the ban list, Pod and Twain in parentheses, are no better than the decks that are legal. And, okay. I'm going to take a second. Why don't you handle this? Because I need to marshal my thoughts, otherwise I'm going to be very rude. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm trying to <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I need to like not be aggressive. Twin is fucked up. You do not want that deck legal in modern. Um the play patterns against it with other decks and the amount of effort you have to put forth to beat it is not worth having it in the format. So we'll I'll just leave that at that. Um I also think it kind of goes into the same uh, vein of we should not have Feldar being legal in Pioneer. I remember you and I, if you go back and listen to some of our first shows, when we talk about what we think are going to be pillars of the format, Feldar Guardian was one of them. And it was because, here's the thing. Your deck has to have Feldar Guardian in mind, period. You have to have a way to interact in the first couple of turns, period. Otherwise, you are dead. Also, the deck can kill you out of nowhere a lot easier than like the Heliod Ballista combo. It's a lot less mana intensive. They work well together. There's a lot of other things that go along with it. Um, every deck in the format would just have to play Walking Ballista pretty much or have a lot of ways to answer this. And I think that Heliod Ballista are 
they have seemed more fine in the format than a lot of people thought before. I am a very big fan of leaving Feldar Guardian on the unban list, though I do think that we could unban something in the future. Well, yeah, things will definitely get unbanned in the future. But if, if you were to rank the cards on the ban list based on where, like, you know, top of the list is cards that should not be unbanned, or most shouldn't be, and bottom of the list is cards that most could be unbanned, Felder Guardian would be near or at the top of the list. Like, I get that, like, you know, they're combo decks that are roughly the same speed against the Goldfish, but that really is only one of many variables that go into, uh, you know, evaluating the strength of a specific combo and the deck that it's in. You know, we've already seen the metagame adapt quite well to Breach. That is, it's just not a broken combo deck. So, you know, the fact that it can kill you on, like, turn four is not an indictment of the fact that Guardian is banned. Like, nobody wants cards from Neo Brand banned because that deck is too good just because it can turn one you and turn one you quite a bit in modern like that they unless the deck is winning a lot it just doesn't matter you know Heliod Ballista honestly like most of the time I see the white decks win it's not with Heliod Ballista it's because they've taken over the battlefield and yeah their opponent is like they're not ending the game that way but their opponent is struggling so much to keep up that eventually they're in a position where they just need to rip the ballista at some point and the game ends and that's how it works it's not like them actively trying to assemble the combo and you know uh finagle them the combo around a different disruption it's literally the just their other game plan the nikthos game plan that is actually putting them ahead inverter is certainly the, the closest argument but if you're just talking on strict combo that deck only wins on turn five so it's a full turn slower at its fastest and the combo pieces are worse individual cards with the potential exception of jace uh you know thassa's oracle is not a very good card by itself Demir Inverter is basically almost often impossible to cast if you don't have the combo set up, uh, right? You know, sometimes you can attack them to death in time, um, and you do do that sometimes. But, like, Sahili like, did things. Felidar Guardian was great by itself. It would, like, blink your Planeswalkers for a second activation. Obviously, Oath of Ness is gone, but, you know, it would blink Oath of, Oath of Ness into draw extra cards, blink I your called that, creatures, by the way. You know, Rogue Refiner, Reflector Mage, whatever. Like, the card did a lot of work. So you had this really robust, fair game plan in the uh, copycat decks that really can't be replicated by any of the decks that you listed. And it's that false tempo that you get from having a robust game plan. I guess Mono White replicates it to an extent, but it does so with a much, much worse combo aspect. Uh, and that's why you see things like Causal X Return and other sweepers uh, you know, being good against them. Like the sweepers are not good against the combo. They don't kill Heliod, with the exception of Hour of Devastation. Um, and, and they don't kill Ballista because usually, you know, you're the, when you play the Ballista, they're dead. So it, it really just isn't the same. And then the comparison to Modern, like, I actually think Pod could be unbanned. I suspect that it could. Um, Twin, I maybe it could, but I really don't want it to be. Um, and, you know, that's not really a... I don't think the argument is to unban those cards. If you really think something in modern is broken, like, are you to ban things? I really don't think you can unban twin where you could possibly give it both and or uh, Mystic Sanctuary or Veil of Summer. Like, that just sounds horrible to yeah. play against. Um, like, here's the thing. The blue decks are already really good right now. Like, why yeah. do you need twin? I actually think, so this sounds kind of like we were kind of shitting on Snack Size Biscuit. I actually think this was a really good question. And I don't like I I definitely don't want it like the, the, some people to assume there's hard feelings here. 
Because like, here's the thing, any question that invokes very good conversation and like almost emotional response is a good question. Yeah, like, no, like, I, I agree. You know, if it were a bad question, we would have been done in, in 10 seconds or something. So I, I think this, it gets at a really important piece of how you evaluate combo decks. I think a lot of like combo decks don't come up that often. So I think a lot of players aren't very good at evaluating them, navigating around them, playing them. Also, like it's, I think it's part, you, you may not have also played against this. Cause like, if you look at it from the outside looking in and you haven't actually, you know, experienced this at a high level or, and I don't mean high levels in like high play level at like a high frequency level. Like, yeah, you know, twin and pod kind of look similar, right? The way that they work to what's going on with Breach and Verd or Heliod Ballista, that kind of stuff. So I can get where you make that jump and you make that conclusion. It's horrendous to play against the twin deck. And it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's oppressive to play against that kind of thing and have it in the format. Yeah, and it, it just so, like the, the big thing for me is like, how clean is the combo in addition to how powerful it is? Right, the breach deck, breach combo is not clean. That's a that's a full engine. You have to build your entire deck around it. That's the thing that you're doing. You know, they're lucky that sometimes they get to like win with the Ugin because of Fey of Wishes. That's something that those decks often don't have access to, uh, and one of the reasons that that deck was as good as it was for a brief time. Uh, but those like very linear decks often do fall victim to hate cards, and that's what we saw happen with Breach and Damping Sphere, um, among some other minor ones. But Damping Sphere being the major one. Inverter is a bit of a cleaner combo, except that the pieces themselves are not great alone, outside of Jace. Uh, I mean, it also does need things like Dig Through Time, so it's almost like a three-card combo, right? Like, you need to be able to deal with your graveyard. But it's not like they, like, the Inverter deck couldn't play something like, uh, you know, Relic of Progenitus to fill that role very often. Like, Dig is just a much better card for playing. It's just fair game. Um, Heliod Ballista is a, a very clean combo, because it's just the two cards and they fit into another shell that lets you have that other game plan. So you check that box, but Heliod Ballista fails to check the like, power box. That combo itself is not very good. You're not building an entire deck around it. Even in modern, like the Heliod deck is not playing four Walking Ballista. It's playing one to two to four with um, uh, Ranger Captain of Eos. So, you know, it's that combo itself is not particularly powerful. So it's fine for that deck that combo to go into a shell that helps support it. And that's why the deck is doing well right now. But just like Demir Inverter like had its time in the sun and was really, really good for a while, we're seeing a lot, basically two copies of these White Devotion decks, maybe more in every top eight. That's I think that's going to pass in a couple weeks. And you're going to see a lot more creature removal in the format, maybe aggressive decks that match up well against Heliod Ballista. I don't know. Um, so, But felt like the Felidar deck, like, it's really hard to try to interact with that deck and, you know, beat its fair game plan. Because its fair game plan is usually built around Planeswalkers. You know, it's a little awkward making this evaluation specifically in Pioneer because Felidar Guardian got banned after we saw it with Oko and Oath of Nyssa. Oath went with Felidar, Oko has since gone. Um, so yeah, that deck would be weaker than it was in its original incarnation. But believe me, like, you can find things to do with Felidar Guardian and Sahili that are really good on their own but you still have to play a bunch of creature removal in a deck that probably doesn't have a lot of like creatures that match up well against that removal. Uh, and then you're left to be playing things like Walking Ballista and Burn Spells that break up the Sahili combo. And that's a really narrow range of interaction. Uh, you know, that combo is obvious, is very powerful, kills faster than, you know, those combos, barring like an absurd breach draw. It kills cleaner than 
you know, all of them are at least as clean and it fits and it fits into that like mid-range shell to gain false tempo. So it literally checks every box and none of those other combos check every box. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next one. This is from Lee, uh, Lee McLeod. I don't really play MTGO, but I'm out of paper tournaments. This is a, something that's going to come up a lot, right? This is a lot of people. What's well, a good way to get into premier MTGO tournaments? Does entry for those require more than money? What do I do? Um, I think, you know, this is an answer that we're going to say a lot to stuff like this. The easiest way for you to get into MTGO if you don't want to drop a huge amount of money right away is a rental service. It's a good way to be able to play a different deck and all the events when you're still trying to figure out what's going on, stuff like that. Um, as for the requirements for more than money and stuff like that, I'm going to let Ross talk about it a little bit more because he's, he's a little more up to date with that stuff and, you know, goes through a little more than I do. I mean, I don't know, like, you just need money and time, right? Like, Well, I mean, there's some events, it, there's some events specifically that have, like, extra QPs, right? Like, you need, like, oh, you yeah. know, like, 30 or 40, like, you know, QPs from a certain format. But that's usually, like, the more premier end of the stuff, which is what they're asking. What's a good way to get into premier MTGO tournaments? There are some of them that you need something specific to get into that you can't buy. Yeah. So if, if you want to get into the PTQs, you need to be playing the preliminaries. So that that's that's basic there. And I think if you're trying to break into MTGO, you got to get a, a a rental subscription, right? Like you have no collection online, you're not going to want to spend the time you need to build it, and like you're going to have to if you don't spend money on the subscription service, you're just going to have to spend money buying a deck. And the prices are wild online, by the way, compared to real life. Like the stuff that would be like dollar to like three dollar rares or four dollar rares in li- in real life are like ten cents online, but then. Some of the cards that are expensive in real life are obscenely expensive online. Yeah, like Teferi is like $65. Yeah, it might even be more. At one point, it was the most expensive card on Magic Online, you know, because like they just, there's a finite amount of them because people aren't drafting on Magic Online as much anymore. So, yeah. So, um, um, so really, the subscription service, I think, is your best bet. You know, it lets you play around with your kooky artifact decks, Lee, and, uh, <laughs> and tune, tune them out. But, uh, if you really want to get into the high end, it's the preliminaries that give you the QPs to get into the PTQs. Otherwise, it's just, you know, play points and tickets. So, uh, Just just so you know, uh, I'm a big fan of Lee McLeod's Twitter. So if anybody I, I don't know is at right now, um, I'd have to put it into Twitter. Maybe Ross can back me up a little bit here. Um, he is my uh, leader in the clubhouse, as we say, for <laughs> tweet of the year. This year, uh-huh. he, he made a tweet earlier this year, especially that is um, magic related, that... I laughed so hard. My wife thought something was wrong with me. Whatever. I think I don't know if I was following him at the time, and I snap followed after it or whatever. Um, I, I kind of don't want to say what the tweet is because, like, I'm not going to give it justice or whatever. But it was a he makes uh, a tweet almost every event, which so we're not going to get these as much anymore. But it's like here's a situation from he's, he's even made one against about you. Oh yeah. You know I he's like it's these. like it's a situation tweets where he like explains the situation to you, but they're always his kind of humor just gets me. You know what I mean? Like, he just hits me in the right spot, like, et cetera, et cetera. Speaking of that, um, and, like, the stuff on Twitter, uh, you know, I got to say this. Like, there's been some, as much as everything sucks right now that's going on in the world, there's been some cool stuff that's come up, right? Like, but some of the stuff leads you into, like, some weird expectations. Like, nobody in my neighborhood yet has just opened their door and started playing instruments and singing songs that we could all also sing along to. You know, like like a like a high school musical moment breaks out randomly, like you see that's going on in like some of these other countries. Like that would be cool, but there is one, and I'm saying this because I have Twitter up on my other screen along with all the other stuff that I have for the show. And I'm saying, this, have you seen the stuff that's been on uh, Twitter today with the penguins? It's literally like the cutest thing I've ever seen. No. So a lot of the aquariums right now, since they're shut down and nobody's at them, 
they have just opened the penguin exhibit to the main floor and let the penguins walk through the aquarium oh, and did, look at all the that. things. And it's so cute because, like, if the penguin has a mate, they're just, like, on a date. It's, like, just two penguins, and they're just, like, walking, and they're always looking at each other, like, looking and checking out the stuff. Also, I just saw penguins go downstairs for the first time in my life, and that's something I didn't know that I needed in my life, and it's adorable. I assume they take a little hop. Yeah, but the thing is, is, like, it's really funny. So they walk up to it, right? And you, you think about a penguin, you know, they're standing up straight, they walk up to it, and they walk to the edge, and they they don't just look down. They bend their entire body. Like, the beak <laughs> almost touches the next step because they're like, wait, wait. I gotta go. Okay, and then they hop, and then they stop, and go to the next one, and do it again. So it's like this process, <laughs> and it's just like I'm just watching like 20 penguins go downstairs right now, and I'm just loving every second of it. It's great. I've had it a loop this entire time, Ross. That's what I've been grinning at, like just an idiot. Penguins going downstairs. Just penguin going downstairs, and it's the cutest thing I've ever. I just want a pet penguin now so bad. I think that's our cue to wrap up the show. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely our cue to wrap up the show. So. Um, Ross, if people wanted to hear more of your thoughts that's going on, see this versus live for as long as it's still going on, and read some more of your stuff, where would they go? Uh, first things first, my Twitter is at Ross Hunneds. That's R-O-S-S-H-U-N-N-E-D-S. I do try to respond to people as much as I can, so if you just have questions about anything, you can get at me there. Uh, my articles are still going up. We're definitely doing content on SCG that it can be done remotely. So those go up every Tuesday. Uh, my article this week is all about Is It in Soul, why I think it is, uh, you know, gotten better and is a good choice again. My list and why I like that specific list and, and a sideboard guide. So if you're interested in Is It in Soul, definitely check that out. And then Versus Live, which I co-host with Corey Baumeister, typically is Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash Star City Games. Same channel you go to to watch open coverage, or did. Uh, we are We did our, a show today. Um, it is unclear if we're going to continue on Thursday and certainly unclear beyond that. We're still waiting on word. Uh, you can definitely, we'll definitely tweet out if it's happening or not. Uh, so you can follow either of us or both, uh, to figure that out. If, you know, Corey and I will keep doing it as long as they let us, we don't, uh, you know, feel too exposed as I talked about earlier in the show. No. Uh, and then as the episodes go live, they do get recorded and then put onto the SCG YouTube page. Tuesday shows go up Friday. Thursday shows go up the following Monday. So if you missed today's show, it will be on YouTube on Friday. It was uh, a showdown of sorts between two Mystic Sanctuary decks because those decks are kind of taking over modern. So we did a little modern uh, on the show, and I think our plan is to do more modern on Thursday if they let us. So if you're a modern person, uh, you know, along with Pioneer, this week will definitely be good for you. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, super looking forward to hopefully getting to watch some more of that stuff in the future and read some more of that stuff. I have to believe that SCG is not going to leave us hanging, right? Like they're going to be giving us as much content and some cool content and some different. There's, there's got it. Cedric's a smart guy. He's a creative guy. There's yeah. got to be some stuff in the works. We have, uh, we have been given free reign to, you know, devise dope shit as it were. Nice. And so I, I think all of us content coordinator creators at SCG are definitely trying to figure out some cool stuff to bring y'all. Corey and I definitely will collaborate if we are no longer doing versus live on some cool stuff. So yeah, not to mention you're you're both members of BCW and you're gonna be doing stuff with, with Lotus Box as well. So lots of stuff cool stuff in the future to make sure that you're still if you're if you're fiending for magic at home, you're you know you're quarantined, you can't go get your drafts at your local store. Make sure you're checking out Ross on Twitter to make to follow all that stuff that he's doing to just make sure you're getting all of it. Also, he is streaming now. Did you did you say your stream uh, thing again? Oh, I think shit. you missed that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I am streaming now. Um, so um, yeah, I, I don't have a set schedule yet. I'm just kind of streaming when I can and when there are things going on. 
I don't know when this episode's going to go live, but I will be streaming on Wednesday. Um, most of the, a lot of the day, I'm going to be streaming two back-to-back preliminary events, which are five-round events. They usually take about four hours, so I'll probably be on for about eight hours on Wednesday. I'm going to try. Jim and I are trying to set up a sort of competition. Uh, and I'm going to, I haven't messaged him yet, but I, I'm going to ask him to do it on Friday. So you can look out for that as well. And, um, you know, a, as I am available, I'll try, I, I kind of want to st- stream like bigger events too. So you can definitely see me on the weekends, but follow me on Twitter to get updates. Um, and then once I set a schedule, I'll definitely, you know, let all y'all know here. My, uh, Twitch, uh, screen name is just Ross underscore Miriam. So easy to go to twitch.tv slash that. Uh, and, and you know. You can talk to me directly there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you wanted to follow more on me, uh, my Twitter is at the Tannen Grace. And on the the subject of streaming, I actually turned my stream on yesterday for the first time in like a year. Yeah, you were playing some poker, is it? Yeah, I streamed a little bit of poker. Um, I don't know if I'm going to stream much magic. Like, I'll do a little bit of arena. Um, I'm not a big fan of streaming magic online because I'm so bad with the interface that, like, if I do that and answer Twitch chat, I'm going to time out a lot. Also, I just don't play it a lot and i might do some other stuff too like i play a decent bit of overwatch along with a lot of other magic players so we get a group of like actual six magic players playing you know a non-magic game it's actually a ton of fun and we just like talk shit and like you know play that game so i'll do a little bit of that um things that people really like from my my twitch that uh that are not magic related is apparently my music's great so we'll have to see that that's the it's usually people are like yeah your channel's fine your music's good so we'll, we'll see that. You're yeah. all like, you know, like early 2000s pop rock, right? Like pop well, punk. I, it, it's, it's, that's like, yes, that's like my, my main stuff. But there's a, there's a wide range. Like you'll randomly yeah. hear a country song. You'll but randomly that, that's hear some the core. I think that's what people are like. Yeah. But you'll randomly hear like classic songs. In there. I'm a big covers guy. I like good so covers. I like, am too. I am too. Yeah. Like a good creative cover. Like I really particularly like, even though they got kind of beaten to the ground, where like, a band whose sound is nothing like the song they're covering covers a song. You know, it's like a heavy metal band covers like Adele and they just knock it out the park because you find out, that, oh, wait, they're actually talented and can really sing. They don't just scream into a microphone, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. And they can really play their instruments and stuff. It's great. Nothing gets, that's not me saying anything bad about metal. Like, obviously, you get what I'm trying to say. You know, that kind of fun stuff. And I'm just Tannen Grace on there. Um, I was say, your director is holding my Twitch account of the Tannen Grace hostage. Not really. He's offered to give it to me multiple times. But, uh, you know, I made it before I got the V, in fr- before I was knighted, as, as we like to say. <laughs> before I got yes. the V in front of my name. Um, you heard us mention the Discord multiple times. If you find the Twitter of this cast, which is at Cast Pioneer, you can find the link for that Discord. Um, it is popping off in there. There's like 700-ish people in there now, or high 600. I didn't get to the last count. Um, all kinds of really cool channels in there super big fan i'm trying to i'm way more active in it now than i was a couple days ago even though i was active in it anyway because i got nothing else to do it's it's a lot of fun a lot of cool people talking there you can kind of uh drown your sorrows with some friends in there get some talks find some friends that are into the things you are maybe set up some some online play dates you know a lot of a lot of different the world's a different place right now so uh definitely go in there and utilize that for a lot of your fun stuff uh, we've mentioned in this, we have the food and pet section in here that's been really popular lately. I think the sports section is going to kind of die off <laughs> quite a bit here for a while. And we're going to have a new channel, I think, for music sometimes. And that one's in that one's in talks, too. But we have every format magic in here. A lot of people, you know, uh, I've definitely seen people like, hey, I'm going to run the league here. Does anybody want to hang out? You know, come into, like, you know, my Discord or my, you know, my Twitch or whatever. Come hang out and, and run through plays and stuff. Seeing some cool stuff like that and people talking over decks. A lot of cool stuff. But there are channels in there that Ross talked about that 
you can't get into unless you're a patron. There's the patron channel, there's the mailbag submission channel, uh, lots of stuff going on that's cool in there. You get more direct access to me and Ross when we have some time. Uh, the mailbag section, like you said, you need to be a patron to actually ask questions on the chat. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, on the cast, and that we'll answer right here. Our patron is patreon.com slash pioneercast. So if you just search pioneercast on there, you should be able to find it. Right now, our levels are $2, $5, and $10. Lots of cool things at every level, um, but we're working on some other really cool stuff in the future. I know we've been kind of teasing it, and I was going to announce it on this show, but Ross told me no, so y'all can blame Ross. Um, but we have something in the works in the future that we're waiting for the final the final go. And if, yeah. if, if, it, if it goes, it's going to it's gonna be 100% the, the moment it happens. Like, we have something, what is it? What's it we have chambered and ready to go, you know, just, just ready to fire off. So um, I'm really excited about this stuff. If we can make it work out, it's going to be really cool and really fun for everybody. And it's something that we've been trying to do here on the show to bring some extra stuff to you. Um, as for the rewards that are going on in the thing, um, I'm going to ask everybody to be patient and... Uh, just kind of okay with us with what's going on. It's going to probably be a little harder for us to get the tokens to you right now. Yeah, they are still sitting on my desk, but, uh, you know, trying to package all of them and send all of them out is just like a, it's just something that has to be put on the back burner. Yeah, it's a logistical nightmare with what's going on right now. Um, I don't want to be sh- sh- shipping. I don't want to be shipping things to a lot of people right now that people are handling and we don't know what's going on. I, I just, it's something I'm not a big fan of trying to deal with right this moment. I think it's something we can put on the back burner. I think everyone at home can appreciate that and we'll try to get that done as soon as possible if stuff gets back to normal, but that could be a couple months the way things are sounding. So again, please, please have some, uh, some faith in us that this is going to happen and some, some patience as we get all this done. But as for that, I think that's about it for this week's episode. And I just want to say one more thing. Everybody, please be careful out there. Listen to what's going being said. You know, uh, just, just be careful, right? Like, I, I don't know how else to put this. Like, don't do anything stupid. Don't do anything risky. Like, just do your part at fixing what's going on right now. And uh, I don't want to hear any bad stories about people, you know, going out here or going to a magic event. Just don't do it. Just stay home. It's okay. It, magic was going to survive. It'll be there in a few months when we get to start going outside stuff again. So I love each and every one of y'all. And I don't want to hear of any one of y'all getting sick because you had to go play an eight man or something like that. Like those events will be there when you get back. FNM will be there, you know, so it's not going anywhere. We're not either. We're going to be here next week. So we hope to hear you hear from you and see you then. And, uh, Ross, buddy, I'm glad that we did this, and hopefully we can keep this as a, a thing every... Yeah, cheers, buddy. Something, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm tipping yeah. my beer to Tannen. Yeah, hopefully we get to keep doing this every week. And, uh, oh yeah, that's another thing that we, did, we, didn't, we didn't mention. Uh, we're going to work this out. Ross and I are going to try to be a little fluid with this. We're going to try to do a, a real episode every week, but we're going to try to do some extra stuff, too. Um, we're talking, we got some things in the talks about doing a live episode, possibly on his Twitch channel, where y'all get to ask in a bunch of questions. And stuff like that. Whenever we get the logistics of all this going on uh, and kind of ironed out, we'll be able to announce more of that soon. But Ross is a little busy right now with a lot of the philanthropic stuff that's going on and all this crazy yeah. stuff. And, I'm, and I've got a family to take up. care of. But once the stream is set up, I think a live show sounds great. I'm in. Yeah, we start doing some some cool crazy stuff. They can, they can see our pretty faces and your great beard. And uh, what I've got growing on my face right now, which probably won't survive the night. So we'll see. I, I don't think I've... I don't think I've trimmed my beard in a month, so it's getting it's getting unruly. Aren't, aren't we supposed to? Isn't it like supposed to to help? I've heard that report, but like not transmit the virus. 
But if you're not going in public, I don't think it's a thing. But. Well, I haven't heard anything to that effect, but I just want to trim it because it gets kind of uncomfortable if it gets too long. Yeah, it gets. mine's already getting itchy because I haven't shaved in like five days or whatever. So, But everybody, we really appreciate everyone that tuned in. Um, this episode went a little long. Thank you for sticking with us the whole way through. Thank you for sticking with us the whole time. Thank you to everybody that listens. Thanks to all of our patrons that we already have at home. Hopefully... If you can afford it, you've stayed with us. If you don't, if you can't, we completely understand of what's going on right now. So if you can't afford it, don't feel like you have to at home. Yeah. We'll still be here. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. Thank we, you to St. Patrick for ridding Ireland of snakes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right. But everybody, I love you. Be safe. Be careful out there. And we'll talk to you all at the latest next week.